Welcome to another episode of Tunnel Vision Podcast. I'm Mario DeRamus. I'm Eric Walker. And we got a special guest in the building today, Mr. Scott Jones, back for another appearance. How are we doing, boys? Doing okay. Uh, we made it to, well, we made it through the NFL season, so, you know. The sad part. Yeah, we made it through the sad part. You know, no, but, it's just no, starting. It's just it, starting. But it, but is it is it really the sad part though? Like I, uh, I'm not. Yeah. I mean, it's okay because I, you know what, I'm one of those people. I oddly like the NFL offseason more than I actually like the regular season. If that makes sense. It depends on who you root for, I suppose, and how your team's been doing. Nah, that's not true. <laughs> no, I think that is probably <laughs> nah, somewhat. I, I've just always been one of those people. Like I really enjoy, like the NFL Combine. I like. You know what I mean. Seeing what the players who are coming into the league like, I'm, I'm, I don't know. I want to say I'm a football nerd, like from that aspect. But like, it's just something I've always enjoyed more. You like the process more than the end result. Yeah, absolutely. You, okay, I got you. I, I kind of can see that because even when fantasy football comes around, you kind of have an idea of some guys that you you, you may have have liked. More than others, like right off the bat, without even watching preseason. Yeah, absolutely. I don't. It's no. It's not necessarily a need for me to watch preseason a lot of times. Like when we talk about fantasy football, because I kind of know how guys are going to fit in the systems, especially like guys who are going in new teams or guys who are coming in out of college. Some guys, I'm. You know, what I mean, I, I miss on, but I think for I'll probably say I'm. It's like a seventy percent success. Yeah, success rate. <laughs> I don't know if it's that yeah, high. Yeah, sixty or seventy. Wow, um, you, you, that's a stretch. But I, I don't like the I don't like the combine. I'm not a combine guy. I hate it. What about you, Scott? Are you, are you a combine guy? No, nah, I mean I'll watch it because it's football. But I've never seen a, a professional football player make an actual tackle in t-shirt and shorts. So I'm not really sure what what exactly we're learning from guys who who are on that field. But you know, it's it's football. Um, as a Bengals fan, it was always a exciting part of the process because at least until this year we were always like okay, who's going to be the next guy that's going to try and come in here and save us but uh i don't it's fun because it's football but i don't think you're learning too much from these guys in indy so we'll see and to mention like it's it's, it's 40 it's shuttle it's bench like the their pro days are better than this right sometimes I mean, but it, I mean, essentially, it is a pro day just on a larger scale. Uh, yeah, because I mean, they don't really have a lot of camera crews and everything around like that. But, but pro days, they're they go through kind of like a, I would say like a something like a field workout that they're comfortable with, right? More so, and they put together as a team, right? Especially like quarterbacks from a perspective, like they know exactly all the throws they're going into. When they do their pro day. Now, yeah, in that respect, I will take the combine over the pro day because if, if you can't fail your pro day, it's set up for you to, to look your best. You know, whereas, you, you know, combine, at least you've got some NFL coaches running the drills. Uh, there's a little bit less of an expectation of, of, of what you need to do. Uh, but again, it's it's just, I mean, have, have you ever drafted a guy or – Someone takes a guy. Oh, this guy's four three. This guy's four four. I'm taking the four three guy just because of that. Yeah, right. uh, guys do it all the time. The Bengals did it with John Ross. Right. How'd that go? <laughs> Darius Hayward Bay. <laughs> How'd with, that go? With the Oakland Raiders. Oh, geez. Yeah. Darius Hayward Bay. So, 
for me, and, and nowadays, man, everybody's on television. No matter what league you're playing in, or no matter heck, you got to play Division Two, you're on TV all the time. Pop the film on, watch these guys play football, then make your decision. Yeah, I mean, but sometimes it's a little different. Like you know, guys are going. Some guys they play really well in college, but then they may taper off in the NFL. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like it's. I think it's just one of those things where you have to kind of evaluate both. And vice versa, right? Yeah, no. You look at the LSU guys and their receivers, Odell Beckham, Landry. They weren't high-usage guys in college. When you cut on tape, you saw flashes, but you can't say, like, oh, those guys are going to be stout rod receivers at the next level. I think Jarvis Landry had probably more usage than Odell. Odell. You know what I mean? Jamar Chase. and Well, Jam- Jamar Chase. He had, he had very high usage high in usage, college. Yeah. But it's like most of those guys don't stand out that way. But you know what, though? One thing I will say, surprisingly, a guy who, even though I said that it was a, a, a steal in the draft, and he was drafted in the second round, but T. Higgins, and, I mean, obviously we're about to talk about the you know the Super Bowl because we haven't had a podcast since then. Um, but um, T. Higgins was a guy who I don't feel like got the recognition in college but I think a lot of that was doing part to uh, his counterpart in college, who was Justin Ross. And Justin Ross, if I mean, if you remember, he was like the number two guy behind Jamar Chase yep. in that wide receiver group. But then he obviously ended up suffering a neck injury and was out a season. Just played this past season, didn't have the greatest year, but um, this year he will actually be eligible for the draft. So I'll be interested to see kind of where he is. Um, but let's talk about this Super Bowl, man. Uh, Super Bowl has come, it's gone. Um, the Rams, the Bengals, Sean McVay versus the student and Zach Taylor, who was the head coach for the Cincinnati Bengals. And, you know, obviously after his first two seasons being very bad, the Bengals came alive in year three. Joe Burrow led the team 10-7. Scott, you are a huge Cincinnati fan. Yes, sir. I'm talking about Reds, Bengals. Bearcats. So, like, how do you feel now compared to how you felt the past two years about Zach oh, Taylor? Is is he the answer in Cincinnati or? Yeah, and, and you know, he, he, he wasn't going anywhere to begin with. I know we talked and we did the podcast back in the springtime. It was a question, and I thought, you know, show some improvement. But there was going to be the improvement based on some of the stuff you saw in 2020. I know Joe got hurt, and, and it kind of derailed everything. But – that offense with the weapons, with Joe coming back healthy, it was pretty clear that they were going to be a good a good team. I wasn't I obviously was not expecting what happened this run, uh, but once they got through that first part of the season, five and two, whatever it was, it was pretty clear that even if you still didn't like Zach Taylor, and there were still some things, play calling in certain parts of certain games that you kind of cringe a little bit, saying what are they thinking. But overall, there was enough improvement there to warrant him coming back. And then when they go on the huge run in the playoffs, he he was going to get the big extension that he ended up getting. So, like him or, or not, he's here. I like him. I think he's 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 still a guy very similar to McVeigh who's still growing in the role. Uh, just look at what McVeigh did two or three years ago in that Super Bowl where they they couldn't do anything, and, and you know this was obviously better. So he's still got ways to go as a coach, but. Certainly what he has brought to the locker room and guys just seem to swear by him. So I think we're in a good spot for the next few years. Well, I can tell you, you know I mean, obviously from my personal opinion, I'm 
I think he's definitely gotten better as a head coach, and you can kind of see the progression in his play calling. But I still don't know if he's necessarily the answer. I think that this season, and this is just my opinion. Like I said, I do like him. You know what I mean? I think he's a player's coach, and I think a lot of the guys in there, they like him because, one, like they can relate more to him, you know what I mean, versus a guy like Marvin who's an older coach was still kind of stuck in Marvin's ways, you know what I mean? So I think a lot of that didn't carry over with Marvin as he got older in his coaching career. But this is what I'll say. I think Joe Burrow is going to be the key, obviously. You know what I mean? Like that's going to be the guy who's going to – like all the success is going to be dependent upon Joe Burrow and less upon Zach Taylor. So – I think that it's just one of those things now where it's no going back for this team. Like, the the standard is set that is, you know what I mean, not only to make it to the playoffs but to win playoff games. You know what I mean? Anything short of that is a felon season. So, I mean, I don't know if he gets through the entirety of his contract. It was 2026. So yep, he just yeah, got five years, five yeah. year totals. Yep. So 2026. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know if he's going to see the entirety of it, but at the same time, it's just one of those things where, I mean, I know they are uh, right now the Vegas favorites, you know what I mean? As far as odds go to uh, win the Super Bowl for next season. So we'll see what happens. You know what I mean? But it's so much that's dependent upon when it, not only going to the Super Bowl, but winning the Super Bowl, you know, can your team stay healthy? You know, are the guys going to still have the same season that they had the year before? But I, I will say this. I, I think that before people give Zach Taylor credit, they have to give Lou Anarumo credit. Absolutely. And more credit than they give Zach Taylor. Because the defense, I'll be honest with you, the pieces aren't luxury pieces. Outside of Jesse Bates, DJ Reader had a great year. Sam Hubbard is a, a very good player. But nobody on the team is like, yo, that's outside of Jesse Bates is like, yo, that's an all-pro player. Or that's a, a pro bowl player type player it's not a lot of them. maybe logan wilson but outside of those like three guys i mentioned nobody and even then those guys one can say that those guys are just shining brighter on a bad defense yeah no you know what i mean like like you you put them on a better defense are they still as good as they are um but i said i guess i'll i'll chime in and say that from my perspective um, Zach Taylor did a he did a he did a damn good job. Um, they they exceeded my expectations of what they would have done. But I I would go on a limb and say that almost any other coach probably could have done what he's done. When you got the talent on offense that they have, and Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase, that seemingly that like they went so well together that you couldn't mess this up. You know what I mean? And everything, to a certain extent, fell in the Bengals' favor. The division completely crapped on itself. And they won games that they should have won. So they kind of took advantage of it. I don't know if we see this team going back to the Super Bowl, though. I don't know. I I mean, I think that's one of those things I'm kind of in limbo about. But, I mean, like I I know you want to give Zach Taylor's praise, and that's okay. But the reason I say Lou Anarumo should probably get more praise is if you go back and you look at the success that they had later for on sure. in the year. For sure. I mean, the Titans game, they won that game with defense. And adjustments. The Kansas, the Kansas City game, both of those games were won with defense. Regardless of how many points were scored, like, because don't don't forget, Joe Burrow did throw an interception, like, in that game, and the Bengals just so happened to get an interception right back. But I'll say this, too, though. Like, 
Yes, but the even the Super Bowl game, right? The Bengals defensively played okay enough to probably win that game. The problem was was when it got to the tail end of the game, second half, you cannot allow Cooper Cup to beat you. Not only that. That's the first time I've seen him not make adjustments in the playoffs to where I was like, all right, because I'm with you. He he did a damn good job. But when you don't make adjustments and double Cooper Cup, you take Cooper, Cooper Cup out the game, there is no other receiver that's going to win them in the game. I'll give more credit to the Rams for making – they made two good adjustments in the second half. First really good adjustment when Beckham goes down, they started moving Cooper Cup around inside, outside, so it was very hard. And, and one thing about Lou Anarumo, at least what he's done, and it's worked. It has absolutely worked. He has developed a formation, a strategy that they're going to stick with. Mm-hmm. Now, they'll make the halftime. Like Kansas City, for example, they went too deep. They went zone. Kansas City destroyed them. Second half, they went basically exclusively man-to-man. Yep. Brought Logan, uh, always had a spy on Patrick Mahomes and brought an extra guy. That was the philosophy they were going to use. So they don't switch philosophies in-game that much other than halftime, beginning of game. So Rams were able to take advantage of that. Great adjustment by the Rams, the second one, defensively. If you notice in the first half of the game, Aaron Donald's rushes were almost exclusively all A-gap rushes, Mm -hmm. which allowed Hopkins to kind of chip, push, kind of help out the guards who needed the help. Second half, where were where was Donald coming from? He was lined square up against the guard, even sometimes a little bit to the outside. So that help couldn't come, and he just beat Adenajai and, and ultimately beat Spain on the last play. So I tend to give more credit to the Rams for the adjustments that they made. And it it the game went the way I thought it would go, unfortunately, because it reminded me very much so of the Tennessee game. That was a, a very similar matchup to me. And the Rams just simply had a better offense than Tennessee. So they were going to be able to get to 23, 24 points. Could the Bengals get there against the Rams' defense? Ultimately, they couldn't. And that was the difference in the game. Yeah, the biggest difference in the game. Well, the biggest difference that separates um, Tennessee and the Rams is the quarterback. Oh, absolutely. But even then, like we talked about it, the podcast before the Super Bowl, I said he's going to throw them an interception in a bad time. And he did. he did. Yeah, he did. He, he did. did. The Bengals just could not capitalize. Not, not, not only oh, that, you get a penalty on that play. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 15-yard penalty yeah, on the play. Yeah, for sure. For sure. But you you figure, like, and then the Bengals just couldn't score. Like, they second come, half. They couldn't move the ball came, in the second you, half. Yeah, you came out with three points, you couldn't score. But the true real reason why they couldn't score and move the ball was Joe Burrow getting hurt. Like you saw his inability to be able to move in a pocket, and but you could say the same about Matt Stafford because Matt Stafford. Remember, Matt Stafford also got hurt in that game. Matt Stafford got hurt, but it was it was an ankle sprain, um, and he lost it, mobility. And he lost mobility. I, I I get that, but I think the Bengals' offensive line was that bad to where they always relied on Joe Burrow to be able to move in a pocket at some sort in some sort of way to where he can throw the ball downfield. Well, because he has to move out yes, of the pocket because right. the offensive line is terrible. And the Rams caught hold of that. Yeah. And what did they do? They started rushing an extra defender. They did. And that well, was, was another. Well, what was interesting, the Rams typically, you look, you look through it in most of their games, they are typically a 5-2 team. Yep. They, they rush five down linemen almost exclusively. First half, they went straight 4-3. Mm-hmm. And when they went 5-2, 
that kind of contained Burrow from getting outside the pocket and was not able to make those plays that he was making in the first half. That too. Yeah. So, I mean, I have to ask you, um, one, how were you feeling when Cooper Cup scored at the at the end of the game on Eli Apple? Sick. Um, it Just sick. You know, now I knew we still, it was about a minute 20, but the Bengals hadn't moved the ball. And you were just hoping, God, get, I mean, that first play of the last drive to chase, like, okay, maybe, maybe, we'll, maybe we'll be able to kick a long field goal. But you just felt sick. It, it was an amazing, amazing run, something I did not expect this season, of course. But then Cooper Cup scores, you run five plays, and then it's over. That's it. Yeah, so it's like the finality of like, wait, we get the ball back, right? No, nope. it's damn shit, it's over. The one, the one thing that I, I will ask you about also is that final drive, right? Mm-hmm. So obviously they go four and out, and that's the game. But on the very last play that they had, obviously Joe Burrow is under pressure. He ends up getting hit, but he has the time. He throws the ball, but. Samaj P. Ryan didn't die for it. Didn't die yeah. for it when it looks like a very catchable pass, but not, but not. I don't think that's the biggest problem for me. The biggest problem is Joe Mixon's not in on that play. Sure. And Zach Taylor was pretty, you know, contrite about that, where he said, uh, you know, that there really is more the third down play where you, you really wanted Mixon in the game if you were going to run the ball. Now, I get it because when P. Ryan is in the game and they go shotgun formation, it is almost exclusively passing a passing play for Cincinnati so let's slip him the ball maybe try to sneak a yard frankly tip your cap to Aaron Donald he reached across uh Spain and kept Piran from getting the first down it was a grown man move. it was a, it was an absolute man ta- it was a one-arm man tackle <laughs> yeah. is what it was <laughs> the fourth down play they had a uh I saw a, like a, an overhead kind of uh, up top camera angle of the play through all the different playbacks that I've seen it looks like a his head wasn't turned, and then b it it looked like by the time he realized the ball was there, it was too late. Now, what I have done, I, I would have done everything I could. I don't think it was a lack of effort. I think he he you know, and Donald got there like that. the 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 biggest heartbreaker of that particular play, I don't know if you've seen this, Jalen Ramsey fell down. Yeah, Jamar mm-hmm. Chase. Wide Jamar open. Chase is standing there wide open. If if Joe has literally one second more, that's a touchdown. That's the real heartbreaker of that play. But Aaron Donald's the best player in football, guys. Yeah, and, no. And for you sure. know, when you've got the best player in football and he makes plays like that, that's why the Rams win the game. And it's crazy because it's like he he almost kind of I ain't gonna say he coasted, but he kind of coasted. Like the first half, uh Second half, third quarter, he kind of got going a little bit, and then boom, fourth quarter, they kicked it in. Yeah, no, and it's, uh, I mean, that's just one of those things, right? Like the biggest, the best players make the biggest plays on the biggest stage, right? And and that's just the truth. But I think that's my biggest argument about the whole Joe Mixon not being in on fourth down. Because regardless of, okay, you know, in these packages in practice, Samaj P. Ryan usually excels. He's usually really great in these packages. That's why we did it. I understand that. But at the end of the day, I don't care if I have a player on the bench that has a higher three-point percentage than Michael Jordan. At the end of the game, I'm going to find a way to get the ball into Mike's hands. 100%. And, I agree. You know what I mean? So it's, it's not one of those things of, okay, like statistically this works, but it's like I know who our best players are. 
And those are the guys we have to get involved when the game is on the line. I will, and I, I agree with you on that. Um, the third down play, I'll excuse because he even said in the press conference, "I got the play call in late. It was it was too late." So, and and the, I think an assistant coach had asked Zach, "Do you want Joe in there?" And he said, "It's too late. Let's just go with some, you know, Pirine." The fourth down play, you had the one timeout left. I would have taken it because it, it's the entire game on the line. I know you want to save the timeout to to be able to run more stuff and to get. McPherson closer and maybe even have a chance to score a touchdown. But if you are, if you're not going at your fourth down, fourth and one play in the Super Bowl for the game, you better have your best fourth down play. You better make sure it's blocked right. I'm calling the timeout to make sure we got everything that we need to get that play right. And they didn't. And and but again, best player in football, the last two plays of the game, won the game for his team. And sometimes you just gotta say, you know what, you're just better than us. Yeah, no, and I mean, I get it. Like at the end of the day, somebody's gonna win, somebody's gonna lose. Like, I mean, that's just the spirit of competition. Like that's, like that's all you have. But you know, it's, when you look back on it, you definitely say, hey, like if this would have happened, they could have won a game, or they would have had a better opportunity to I- extend the drive. I've watched it back twice, and there are so many. I mean, it's a three-point game, so of course, there's a, about a million things that you wish would have happened. There were a couple of Los Angeles had two third down and longs, like a third and 13 in the first half, a third and nine in the second half, both converted, both lead the points. Both teams scored four times. L.A. three touchdowns and a field goal, Cincinnati two and two. You switch that around, you, you know, it's but it was like any other NFL game that you can go through. It's like there are just a few things here, a few things there that determine who win the games. And they just happen to make – the one more play, they had the the one better player or whatever, and it was just, it sucks. <laughs> As a Bengals fan, it sucks. Yeah, no, I under, I definitely I understand that. Um, I, I mean, I've seen my team go to Super Bowl and lose as well, so it's, it's not a great feeling. Um, but I have to ask you, you know, with everything that they have kind of in place, do you believe that the Bengals are the team to beat in the AFC? I mean, obviously, they're the, the defending AFC, they're the reigning AFC champions, but are they truly the team next year to beat in the AFC, and do you think they are going back? You think they'll go back to the Super Bowl? I don't think they'll go back. I mean, it's it's hard to say that they're now. Are they going to be a perennial contender for the next few years in the AFC? I think so. I think their talent's there, and you have the right quarterback. That's for sure. But man, this AFC is. I mean, we caught breaks. You know that that whole ridiculousness with uh, Las Vegas and the Chargers Week 18 that that lets you play the Raiders at home. You then go to Tennessee, which their offense was, was nothing. Now, give the Bengals a ton of credit for what they did in Kansas City. But you go through a playoff run without having to see Buffalo and, and Josh Allen. I mean, so you're going to have a situation in the in the AFC the next handful of years where you got to get through a combination of Mahomes, Allen, Jackson. I Because I, both, like Eric just said, you know, the first break Cincinnati caught this season was that Baltimore just got beat to hell. Yeah, I mean, and they had like 28 yeah, people on injury reserve. That I just saw NFL, they replayed uh, their first Pittsburgh game last night on NFL Network, and Baltimore was 8-3 and three at the time. And I was like, Baltimore, finished, they didn't win a game the rest of the season. They finished 8-9. and nine, And they were, I mean, when they came to Cincinnati week 16, it was a JV team that showed up there. Because yeah. of injuries, not because it was, it was just they were so depleted. So that was the first break they caught. So cer- certainly the Bengals caught some breaks, but 
every team who gets to the Super Bowl is going to catch a break here or there. They have to. They have to. Absolutely. That's the only way they get there. They absolutely, and and uh, no, team, Tom Brady. no team was healthier than the Bengals, really, this year. I mean, that was the, the biggest thing. They lost a couple guys, of course, and, and lost a couple guys in the O-line, which, which really hurt. But I can't sit here and say that they're going to go back to the Super Bowl. I can sit here and I, I would firmly state that I think that they are going to be the favorites in the AFC North. I don't even know that. Oh, you're going to go with Baltimore. I'll probably go Baltimore. You'll probably go Baltimore. De- depending on what Pittsburgh get, if Pittsburgh lands a, a Deshaun Watson or some sort, they're probably one of the front sure. front runners for. It's a lot of talks to Jimmy Garoppolo too. Even I think Jimmy Garoppolo is serviceable enough to probably put them at in contention. Yeah, and the, the quarterback carousel this offseason has a chance to be pretty crazy. Yeah, there could be five or six guys already established guys starting for new teams. And speaking of speaking of quarterbacks while we're on the topic, right? Like I got to ask. So, and it's just one of those things that's been kind of floating around social media and I mean, you know, everybody is quick to make a list. But right now people are saying Joe Burrow is a top 5 quarterback in the NFL. Are are both of you in agreement with that? No. Yes. If you if we talk about what what's a quarterback's main job is to lead his team and win games, yes. Now, are there guys who have better arms and maybe are better athletes? Of course, but uh, you'd be hard-pressed to find a guy who who has the respect of his team and who is can lead his team to wins more so than Joe Burrow. No, not five. I mean, think about it. I mean, you got Aaron Rodgers, right? You got – well, Tom Brady's retired. Um, you got Lamar Jackson. You got Patrick Mahomes. Uh, at this point, I would even say Matthew Stafford is kind of up there, right? Probably should have won the uh, Super Bowl MVP. Um, hmm. Well, I'm just asking. Russell Wilson. Okay. Okay, so, I mean, I'll, I'll, it's just a question. But. I agree, but, but I'll tell you this, and this is what I would say about Joe Burrow. Before you go, everybody is loving the fact, especially Cincinnati fans, are loving the fact that they have. This is the first quarterback that they've had in a long time that has been a true leader. That has been a true leader. Okay, well, are you in disagreement? Well, uh, hold on. I mean, you say a long time. Like we talking ten years, twenty years? Who name name one? Carson Palmer was not a leader. No, he was not a true leader. He wasn't? No, not to the point where what Scott is saying, everybody is following, this team is following Joe Burrow. He has that effect that no quarterback in the, and now I'm going to go there. He has the effect that that no quarterback in the history of the Bengals probably had maybe since, or maybe, um, um, well, I, I think it's a little different, though. Like, no. if, you, if you, yeah, if you, if you go back and you look at the, I mean, I think the maybe person, Boomer, maybe. Yeah, but I think that's because Boomer had a, a similar personality. Carson Palmer wasn't a big personality guy. If you go back and you, he wasn't. Do, do and you, if you and if you look at the history, if you look at the the history of the team, right? What guys were really big personality guys on the Bengals outside of Chad? You know what I mean? And, and I get it. I get what you're saying. Like people love Joe Burrow, and I. And I, I won't take that away. I'll tell you this. He's think, a very lovable person. I think in OTAs was the first time in probably a long time. You know what their participation rate was in OTAs? 100%. 100%. Not one guy didn't show. 
No, as, as they should have. But who was who was not gonna show up to OTAs? A lot, a lot of guys don't show to OTAs. A lot of guys don't show up. to But OTAs. I'm saying, but who but who wasn't going to show up to OTAs this season? And you have to remember, we're coming off of a COVID year. It's we're coming off a of COVID season. Right, so the year before they really didn't even have OTAs. I'm I'm sure if we polled or 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 looked for the information for the rest of the 31 teams, we'll find more teams that guys miss OTAs than they showed up to OTAs. I, I think it also depends on the teams too. Like you know what I mean? Because some teams are older teams, veteran. You know, I mean, it's not necessarily a, a veteran team. This yeah, is a younger young. team. They're young. Here's what I'll say about Joe. You know, you talked about Boomer for a second. Boomer was more brash. Right. He was kind of more outward. He, he they talk about confidence versus cockiness with with Joe. Boomer was more cocky than he was confident. He was a just a cocky guy. Carson was just a talent. Yeah, he was. He was more, but he was certainly more of a cookie cutter guy. He would just simply give you the the standard pro football quarterback quotes in the locker room or in the media. Joe just for however he does it, he just you watch that guy play, you you interact with that guy, and they just. No, not even a belief. They just know. Give me that guy. We're going. Yeah, like, but you know, I, I think he has a quiet confidence. You know what I mean? Like, absolutely. So, like, when he's on, the, uh, when he's on the field, sometimes he'll be like a rah rah, like, but he's not really that guy. You know what I mean? He's like a, he he's gonna go out. He's gonna do his job, and then he might, you know, what I mean, do like a little flashy something with the team if it's a big play. But it's not a guy who's gonna come out the. He he doesn't come out the gate. And he's not all over social media like some guys. He just. When you see him, you'll know what's gonna happen. That's it. Like he's not gonna tell. He's one of those guys. If you ever been in, if you ever been in a fight, some guys will be like, "Man, I'll punch you in the face." But some guys will just punch you in the face. Right. He's that guy that'll just punch you in the face. So, do you have you? You think he's a top five quarterback? Let's I, get back to that. I don't think he's a top five quarterback. I, I have a lot of respect for Joe Burrow and what he's done in this. Probably it, top ten. I, I will put him more so of a top ten quarterback. Obviously, yeah. we have minimal to go off of with Joe Burrow. I, I still think it's a lot of things that he can improve on, and like, anybody can improve on things, right? Like, hell, Patrick Mahomes has things he can improve on. My, you know, obviously, but I think the one thing we'll we'll be able to see is uh, I think he probably makes that next leap into like a top five quarterback once the offensive line improves because he'll have more time for sure. You know what I mean? So. And we can we can take you know what I mean a look at what he's done with the offensive line that he's given him. But like you know what we could probably say based upon the amount of punishment he's taken and still been able to go out and produce, he could be a top five quarterback. But based upon the quarterbacks that I would have in my list, I don't know if and I think the quarterbacks have, that I have in my list are more established. That and that's where I get at is it's just not he's not as established. I mean you got to think truly this is his first full season. You know what I mean? So I I don't want to be be quick and jump the gun and say, hey, this guy is truly a top five quarterback, and and that's why it's hard for me to to because it's a it's a big thing about Jamar Chase being a top five wide receiver also like and I see the talent, but also I'm still under the you know what I mean I'm still living by the we still got so little on him you know what I mean like if he does it if he does the same exact thing next season or comes close. Okay, cool. I'm okay with that. Like this year, I will put Justin Jefferson as the top five wide receiver because he's done it two years in a row. Well, year two is always important because year one, you know, they don't know defenses. They don't know you. They don't know what they don't know. Now that there's tape on you, how does the how do defenses react to Jamar Chase year two? And then more importantly than that, how does Jamar Chase react to the, to the adjustments? Yeah, and that's going to be key because he is obviously a, a huge part of what they do. And there were times this year where some teams kind of 
had him on, on some lockdown, but luckily you have guys like Boyd and Higgins and, and Mixon and Uzama who who can who can you know pick up the slack. But certainly year two for a guy like Chase is going to be very telling in terms of how high his ceiling can be in the league. Yeah. So um, you know, speaking of the Bengals and going into the offseason, obviously big thing to watch is Jesse Bates. <laughs> Jesse Bates is I mean, I haven't heard anything about putting um uh, the, the lock on him, you know right, what I mean? The franchise tag. The franchise tag yep. to lock him down for an additional year. So do you think that he gets the big contract, or yeah. do you think do you think he goes elsewhere? No, he, he'll be here. Uh, I, well, is it going to be the big contact, contract, or is it going to be the franchise tag? Here's the one thing I can guarantee, and I'll, I'll come back and eat crow if it's wrong. Jesse Bates will absolutely be a Bengal in 2022. My, my personal opinion is that it will be on a long-term contract, the only thing that keeps me from saying that's going to be a hundred percent is the franchise number on safeties. I think is like thirteen this year. Do the Bengals go if they give Jesse a long term deal now? That number in twenty twenty two is probably higher than thirteen, for sure. For sure, <laughs> with the bonus and all that. I have a feeling that this might be an all in type of a season for the Bengals, where they kind of go outside of their character and just go for it. And so do they put the franchise tag on Bates to keep his number a bit lower just for 2022? You make me pick tonight, I'm going to say long-term deal, four or five-year contract, and he'll be here. But I'm, I'm completely 100% convinced, no matter however it goes, he's wearing orange and black in 2022. That I don't think that's even a worry. I, I think if they don't so if they if they don't tag, they have to get, either get him a long term deal, and it has to be north of, it has to be north of thirteen a year. If it's not north of thirteen a year, he's gone. Well, I mean that's I mean that's more than what Minka Fitzpatrick is making, right? So, it, but it's it's the thing is, are they willing to pay him like the the best safety in the right. league? And it, the thing is, is you look and it's like he was quiet all season, for the most part. He had he stuck out a lot more in the playoffs when That's, he needed to when he when he needed to which is good but do you pay him is the is the question absolutely do they want to absolutely you want to pay him fifteen ish a year I think you have to if you want to keep him you know and what the, I mean and then you start to think long term right mm -hmm. you got to be careful because. Now money's starting to come in. You got a you got Higgins that'll be coming up. You'll you'll eventually have Burrow and Chase coming right behind those. But before you even get to Higgins, you still got Joe Mixon, Tyler Boyd that you will have to pay. Yeah. Those guys. Well, Tyler Boyd just got an extension. He's in. He's going to be in year three of his of his of new extension. deal. So and he got, had a five year extension. Yeah, five, five four year. or five years. So he's he's so about he halfway is. through. Same with Mixon. He's about halfway through his new deal. I, I don't worry about that as much as you guys do because the 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 general uh, theme for the Bengals when they do these things, when they sign homegrown talent to long term deals, that thing is front loaded right. like crazy. So and you're correct. After next season. Higgins and Burrow are are eligible mm -hmm. to get their paydays, and I, Joe Burrow's gonna get paid. <laughs> He's gonna get paid something and that, crazy. But 
if we're talking about a guy like Bates, if they give him an extension, which again, I think they will, that money will be so front loaded by the time he gets to year three and year four of his deal, it's going to be a manageable number. That's the one thing the Bengals do actually pretty well. Uh, they don't, yeah. they don't, they pay. Like, when you sign a four year contract in Cincinnati, you're playing in Cincinnati for four years. There are some other places uh, where you sign a five year, you know, hundred and gazillion million dollar contract and you're cutting two years. And then the Cowboys eat a ton of dead cap. Bengals don't tend to do that. Um, typically, yeah. for, so so I can defend my <laughs> team for a second. Typically, what happens is they don't eat it in dead cap and cut you. Typically, what they do is come back and say, "Hey, damn it, you need to restructure, restructure this deal." deal. I, 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 they've done it already. Yeah. Um, on some guys already. So that that's that's typically. What, but but you're right. The either either the Bengals when they sign you for a four year deal, you stay for the four years. Or that money's already gone. The guaranteed money's already gone by year three, end of year three or so. Where now they can let you go. Look not, at uh, Trey not, Hendrickson. Yeah. Trey Hendrickson's guaranteed money is pretty much gone after the year one. They, now he got a ton of it. He got like twenty five million this past mm-hmm. year. Uh, but well, so, deservingly, absolutely. And, and I, I was totally wrong about that. I came on Yarrell's podcast in the spring, and I was like, I wasn't a big fan of that one. I'm totally wrong there. Uh, but his his. That when you read the deal on social media or from the website, it says, well, it's four years, $60 million. You're mm-hmm. like, okay, well, 15, oh, no. He got about 25 this year. He's getting like another 15, 10 or 15 this coming season. So by year three or four, it's actually a pretty minimal contract for a guy who's a really good player. Yeah. Yeah, and, I mean, you also have to think, you know I mean, they have Joseph Sai coming back mm-hmm. off of injury, who was the third-round pick from last season. Very good pass rusher. You know what I mean? I, I personally think he'll fit better in the 3-4 scheme more so than the 4-3. But we'll see what happens you know, when he comes back. But somebody will have to take a, a cut on the snaps. I mean, because you got guys like Cam Sample had a great year he this did. year. Uh, Sam Hubbard had a really good year this year. You know what I mean? Trey Hendrickson obviously led the team in sacks and quarterback pressure. So, I mean, you look at that, it's, like, it's going to have to be an odd man out somewhere well, as far do, as the defensive end. They do need ends. another interior pass rusher. Do, so who do you think they move to the interior though? Do you think they move on those guys or do you think they go out and, they gotta and go sign get somebody. a guy? Yeah, they got to go get somebody. I think I think the 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 um plan with Burrow has been young guys on offense, build it up, free agency on defense. I think you could actually see a role reversal there this offseason. They're going to go out in free agency and they're going to fix that damn line. They will go spend some money. Now, I don't think it's going to be the you know pay Armstead twenty million a year type of a thing. I think you're going to find almost what like what they did with the corners last year. They didn't sign William Jackson at fifteen million. They signed Azue and Hilton at about fourteen combined. It's going to be something like that on the offensive line. But then go find some younger guys defensively through the draft. Uh, however you find them, I think that's going to be the game plan. Uh, but I I have a feeling that they're going to at least they're going to take a shot. This year and next year, because like you said, once Burrow comes due, it's going to be a lot tougher. Well, hopefully they bring back uh, what's his name, Larry Ogunjobi. Mm-hmm. Like he, I think he he played phenomenal. Had he not got hurt, the you know what I mean, I, in the playoffs. I think he's probably gone. That's my inclination. Because B.J. Hill, was yeah, that not the worst trade in the history of football for the Giants. B.J. <laughs> Hill for Billy Price, like. That was the skill yeah. of the century. I and mean, they, Hill played terrific. Yeah. And, and and the Giants still have a terrible offensive line. Right. You know? I wanna go talk I wanna talk kind of a little bit about what he just said and, and their their plan and their layout and what they're gonna do next year. 
And I think I'm on the side of the belief of they're gonna they should spend some money on offensive line, but I think they have to spend their damnness on the defensive line on the defensive side of the ball. I believe the defense overachieved, and this reminded me of the defense that overachieved back when they had Palmer and they led the same, they led the the NFL in turnovers and points off for turnovers. 05. And the following year, the defense was terrible. That 05 defense was not very good, though. They, it, they, they feasted on turnovers. You are 100% right. I mean, this defense was a lot better than that 05 if defense. That's, that's the year that Delta Nil led the league in yeah, yes. interceptions. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yes. But I go to that and I say, these guys didn't play. They played, they overachieved. Like, if you look at anybody on this defense outside of maybe Jesse Bates, most of these guys overachieved. Yeah, but you also have to think that was older defense too. It was a, it was I, a much I, older defense. I, I get that, but when you overachieve in a in a place, you have to slide some guys that are good enough in there to help that sustain. I, I guess I'm not sold on the overachieving part of the defense. Uh, there, there were signs after Joe's injury last season that Anarumo was starting to kind of get through to some of these guys, and they were starting to get it. They had some good performances, sometimes in losing efforts because the offense was so bad without Joe. Uh, and they brought some veteran guys in, as we've already documented. Right. So did they overachieve? Obviously, next year will tell us that tale. But I, I think maybe you're selling their ability a little bit short because that was a, the Bengals' defense consistently was pretty good this year. And I also they were great, but they were okay. Yeah, I, I think that more than anything, the system was, was what kind of happened. You know what I mean? Like the, they didn't try to put guys out of place. They put guys into the into the places they needed to be, and the guys bought into it because in a, a lot of times that's where you. Like with the NFL, you'll see guys on defense try to overcompensate or, or do more than they're actually able to do. Like Jermaine Pratt was probably the main example, right? Obviously, they drafted him, and you know you're thinking, okay, they need linebacker help. They can put him in place, and he can do all it. Like we don't expect him to be Ray Lewis, right. but I think going out, you know, what I mean, coming in as a rookie, he kind of wanted to be that guy. But now, like he, I don't feel like he over did anything this year the one thing i will agree with you on and you just touched on it mario and i said it a little bit earlier they did not deviate from a plan much now was that because that was just the way honorumo coaches or was that because he didn't trust the players enough to to adapt that, that's a fair and, question and, and that's, that's where, a fair that's question where i was going was that he may have not have trusted those guys and it's like if you don't trust those guys, you have to go get some guys that you can put in there, and and now it doesn't look like you overachieved. Yeah, no, and, uh, and you I mean, don't want to. You don't want to say, okay, let's keep everything the same, and let's go in a year this year two of our run and say let let's keep the defense the same. Let's let's just make sure we dump a lot of money into our offensive line and think our defense is just going to be okay. That's not going to work. You know, and I mean, I think, to be fair, like, obviously free agency is definitely some somewhere I think they spend a lot of their money this year. For sure. I mean, versus the past. Well, I'm not, because the past few years they've actually been spending money in free yeah. agency, which is one thing I, I will credit the Bengals organization on doing. Because uh, usually you try to see them build through the draft, and and that's, that's okay. But, you know, I mean – 
draft guys sometimes hit or miss. You could draft a guy in the third round. He could be a bust. Get a guy in the seventh round. He be the best player that you got in the draft. But it's always better to have a guy that's proven talent versus unproven talent. Yeah, I mean, and and that's I think that's fair to say. Um, but it's also I think it's the best to put guys in the place like into the right system. You know what I mean? Sure. The, and you can always and we this argument of do you build through free agency or do you build through the draft? Well, it depends on where you are as a team and where the Bengals are right now, you go to free agency and you finish this. You get the last two or three guys that's going to put you over that that mountaintop. And, and, so, and you see that's what the Rams kind of did exactly. this year. They, they, and they, they blew their entire next two drafts, but they were all in uh, on this particular season and it paid off. So, And I think the Bengals are in a similar position with the 2022 team. You know you what you have right now just, I mean, look where you went despite all these flaws we're talking about. And there are significant flaws on this roster. Right. And still look where you ended up. Mm-hmm. Go get some guys that you know can play. And, you know, the crazy thing is I think the Rams probably went about it the smartest way because literally after this season, the window would have been closed for the Rams yeah. just because of all the guys that they could possibly lose. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and I think that they knew that. You know what I mean? So it's like you have to capitalize when you have that opportunity and I think the Bengals need to really be, like, in a similar place, like, as an organization and have to realize, like, look, this is this is our window, like, mm-hmm. right now, because other teams are going to get better, especially in the AFC, other teams especially are, in the AFC North. We're, we're, other teams are going to do just that, right? Like, we're seeing the Tom Brady and Tampa Bay effect. And we talked about this a while ago. Like, when you see the Tampa Bay Bucks go all in like that, if you're a team that's a contender, you should. There's no way you don't think to yourself, "Can we go all in?" The Rams just did it. Now we're gonna see another team's gonna do it. Yeah, no, for sure. Like you know what I mean. And and I think that what the Bengals, first of all, what they need to do is just shore up the offensive line because mm-hmm. Joe Burrow is the the most important asset that they have on the team. Sure. And I think. The second thing they need to do is just let Mike Kilton continue to be the GM online. <laughs> on social media? Yeah, just let <laughs> – on, on Twitter, the the man is rec- is recruiting like crazy. And – well, That's did you did you see you that? Don't, you, don't, you don't hear Katie and them much anymore as they used to be either. No. Did you no. see uh, – did you see him on Twitter talking to J.C. Jackson? Uh, I've seen – he's talked to a couple guys, and we were, we were talking about Jesse Bates earlier, and there's been some, some pl- current players also on social media adding the team, hey – Take care of my man here. So uh, I think that's another reason why he gets taken care of because what that would potentially do to the locker room if he doesn't get taken care of. But, yeah, uh, Hilton has been uh, basically Duke Tobin's uh, assistant the last <laughs> couple of weeks trying to uh, – can you can, can a player get, get fined for tampering? Cause, but, uh, hey, but it, but it, no, nah, I am not. I don't think, think, think so. they can. No, so. but it, I, I will say this, though. I, I think that if they were to land a guy like J.C. Jackson – I'm I'm I might have to go up to the casino and put a hundred dollars on the Bengals to win the Super Bowl next year, because J.C. Jackson quietly is like a top three cornerback in the NFL. Like, and I'm not even gonna say quietly, but the guys don't pay a lot of attention to defensive players in New England just because they feel like it's the system. system. But that guy is a baller. Like, is a well, they baller. Will, it is. They, they will need a corner because I I can't I cannot imagine a scenario where Trey Wayne's stays at his number. No. Uh, are we going to now? Poor Eli Apple always gets crushed. 
he was actually decent. I mean, he was not a bad player here this year. Do they bring him back and, and trust him to be the the three corner or, or whatever? So you, they do need a guy. Absolutely need somebody. They, I think they should bring him back. Like, oh, I think they should. And I think I, they will. I think it's part of part of Eli Apple's downfall was part of the Bengals' downfall. Like the a defensive, what they thought they should do defensively. Like you knew what you were getting out of Eli Apple. Like his track record showed. Now, granted, he he's another cat that played a little bit above he what he's what we're accustomed to seeing him play until the Super Bowl, right? In the Super Bowl, you allow him to play on Cooper Cup. He shouldn't have. Woozie should have been on Cooper Cup. He should have followed him. You should have bracketed him. You could have doubled him. I look. I agree a thousand percent with what you just said, and I think the shortcomings of the Bengals is all on the the call that they had when they allowed Cooper Cup to score. Like you go into single, you go into single man coverage on the outside, and it's only two routes that he could have ran in that in that situation. It, and, you know the, what it reminded Apple me picked of? the wrong one. You, you know what <laughs> it reminded me one. was. It, it reminded me of. The um, college football playoff game, Ohio State versus Alabama. And it's like, you know why it remind me of that? You stick a linebacker on a Heisman Trophy winner wide receiver. You know how long it's been since we had a wide receiver that won a Heisman Trophy? So fast forward to this Super Bowl. You put a subpar corner on a guy who run the triple crown. You when the last time we had somebody win the triple crown? Jerry Rice. You don't do that. And I want is <laughs> he didn't win the triple crown because of 18 games. He's subpar in his own coverage. He's terrible in man <laughs> coverage. So, why would you and that, that was my biggest thing. So, now nah, you 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 are you are a 1000% correct on that. He's a nickelback. He's yeah. a nickel. Yeah. He's a nickel. He's yeah. a solid. And that's guy. and that's okay. Some guys are, you know, good on the inside. Some guys are good on the outside. But I don't know. It's uh, but speaking of the off season, I mean, we can deviate from the Bengals. Other teams are out there, and one of those teams who was gonna have interest in off season is the Green Bay Packers. Aaron Rodgers obviously goes on the Pat McAfee show the other day and says, "You won't find anything out today about my decision." But he, a report came out today said he plans to inform Green Bay very soon of his decision. Can I just say this, and then I'll let you guys go. I am sick of this. I am sick of it. Because at the end of the day, he's under contract next year. Now, whether you want to go off and retire, go ahead. They they can save 30-plus million on the cap, whatever. But he's under contract. Why is there talks of they, they even the GM even came out today and said we necessarily did not ever say we was going to trade him. We said we would figure out if he doesn't want to be here, we will figure it out. That doesn't necessarily mean we'll trade him. We'll see what we can do. His best play is to be in Green Bay. It, but, it is. You go anywhere else, go to the AFC, you uh, you in trouble. You see who you going to play against. I mean, you think about the top ten quarterbacks in the league, and majority of those are on what side of the of the conferences. Stay where you at. You got one more year on your contract, and play it out. Well, that's been my thing. What, what situation is out there that's better than Green Bay for him? 
I mean, you were the one seed. Now, oh, I'm yeah. glad. Sorry. Not yeah. only that, you were the one seed. You won 12 games three years in a row. That doesn't happen often. Right. But so what? where's the greener pastures in, in the NFL for Aaron Rodgers? I don't see a situation that would that he would want to go to. And let, I mean, if it's so bad in Green Bay that he just has to get out of there, I don't know why it would be because Green Bay is probably the best football town in the league. I mean, those people are insane about the Packers, and he is a god there. I, I think this this feels very Brett Farvish to me. Like, just he wants some attention, you know. It, it does. Know. It does. Because they say San Francisco. You're going to be pissed that because you, you, you go with Debo or Debo Samuels. Like, don't get me wrong. He's a great new Percy Harvey, if you will. But you're not passing the Devontae Adams out there. Now, you could go to Denver. Denver's kind of a different story, but I still think Green Bay is the best place. You're not gonna go. To you Denver. love Denver. Yeah, ah, well, you're gonna go. He to loves De- Denver as Denver, a spot. You're gonna go to Denver and be the third best roster in that division. And <laughs> you're and De- you're gonna play two games a year against Herbert and Mahomes. Would you rather play two twice a year against Herbert or Mahomes or Cousins and Justin Fields? Justin Fields <laughs> and Jared Goff. I mean. They, the Packers walk to a division title every year, and that's all you need. As, as the Rams and Bengals have shown, all you need is to get in and then catch catch fire. That's it. Yeah, Stay but, healthy. But that's where they struggle, right? They've, they've struggled to catch fire once they get to the playoffs. But he's part of that reason. That's what I was about to say, but that part. Is, but is he part of the reason, or is it? No, if you if you look at the if you look at the Don't history, say it's Matt LaFar- LaFer. No, it's, it's not the coach. I'm just saying – when you get to those crucial moments, you need to be able to throw to somebody else other than Devontae Adams. And I think for for Aaron Rodgers, that's been one of the biggest struggles because they haven't they haven't necessarily gotten gotten a new offense any of the past like any like the past three years has been the same. The, but here's the problem. You got you go to those guys any other time. They're in the regular season. There's been numerous occasions where he goes to those other guys. Don't get me wrong. When again, when it's in clutch, he kind of goes. He kind of favors the Devontae Adams, which everybody does, right? Joe Burrow did it with Joe, Jamar Chase. It happens. Yeah, and last time that he did that was you remember last time he, he tried to depend on somebody else on that offense. It was against Tampa Bay two years ago, not this season, but the past in the NFC Championship game, and and Lazar did what? He ran the wrong route. And he but blew you, the touchdown. But at some that point, that could have put him ahead. But at some point, you have to have some faith in those guys because he did. But you said that two years ago, right? It was yeah in the NFC Championship game. You you know why they lost this year to the to the Forty ers Yeah, they lost this year to Forty ers because they looked stale on offense. It was in the blizzard, and I mean, obviously, they can play in snow. Like they, he's played in snow his I'm whole not, career. Yeah, I'm not buying the weather. Yeah, so, no, no. It's, it's not the weather. That's what I'm saying. They the could, offense stunk. It got stale. It was only what ten points scored. They lost off of off of turnovers and special teams. That's bad. You yeah. can't be one of the great. You can't be one of the greatest quarterbacks in this league. Two time back. Or he's three times MVP. Right. 
two years back to back MVP and have a performance in the playoffs that, like he had. You can't do that. You can. I mean, because it's happened. Like, look, great it players. Great players have bad games. That's the way I take it. They do. Like, it's just it's if, it's, if you're a bad game. Now we're about to go to a whole nother conversation. If your bad games continue to be in the playoffs when they count the most, that's a problem. That's a problem. Nah, because even if you look at look at the uh, look at the history of the game, right? Or not the history of the game, but look at the his- the past twenty years. Peyton Manning, right? We can all sit here and say Peyton Manning is one of the greatest quarterbacks in NFL history. He didn't play that great in the playoffs throughout the like the entirety of but his career. Did Peyton Manning ever, when he did play poorly in the playoffs or when the Colts lost a playoff game, did he ever say, "I need better players or get me out of here"? No, but I mean, but players look do. how much pressure Lamar Jackson was just on. But to win a playoff game, like look at that. Yeah, and he got criticized. Yeah, and people criticize Aaron Rodgers too. But I think the the most intriguing thing about the whole Aaron Rodgers situation is that Aaron Rodgers is basically creating the narrative, right? Like the, he's he, he he's pulling a LeBron James. He's feeding he's feeding into the media and giving them information that will create stories, but it won't go anywhere. A LeBron James, exactly. So I mean, I'm intrigued by it. I'm 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 still on Aaron Rodgers' watch. I mean, do I think he'll go somewhere else? Not necessarily. It'll probably be the worst decision he, he can make. I mean, but if he goes to a team like Denver, I wouldn't be opposed to it. I think if he goes there, they're automatically the second best team in the AFC West. But you're the best team in the NFC North now. <laughs> Right. Yeah, but it's Stay not getting. Home. It's apparently it's not getting them anywhere. Being the best team in the NFC North. Well, yeah, you gotta. You, you gotta take your chances. Of, you know, yeah, it reminds me of Le, LeBron in Cleveland. The first step, he had enough to be good in the in the regular season, and in the playoffs, you always come short. Yeah, because the the game changes. And then in the you playoffs. complain about roster. Yeah, the, the game changes in the playoffs. You know that one hundred percent. It does, but. It's not roster base. Well, LeBron's beef first time around in Cleveland was more legitimate than what Aaron Rodgers is beefing about with his roster by about a million times over. That fir- that first stint in Cleveland, I, I think he did some some magic to get some of those. Like that one team that went to the finals, was it 07? Yeah, when they got swept. Yeah, yeah. 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 That team had no business being in the finals. 100%. 100%. But who else was in the East? Nobody. Outside of the Pistons and the Celtics. Yeah. yeah. Yep, and then the year after that, the Celtics end up getting to develop in the big three. So, so what about your your Philadelphia Eagles? Uh, I mean, it's really nothing to say about the Philadelphia Eagles. If I'm being real with you, I mean, they obviously have to get a wide receiver opposite Devontae Smith, but outside of that, I think they'll be solid. I mean, the, the team is obviously the team is getting a little bit older. Jason Kelsey is still a big question mark. He could possibly retire. I mean, I wouldn't be mad if he did. I think he should, honestly. Like, and I hate to say it, even though I think he's still one of the best centers in the league. All, all three of those first round picks for Russell Wilson. You do it? No. I and saw it, a rumor about that. I did too. Yeah. I, I saw the rumor. All it, three it, first it, round picks for Russell Wilson. Well, and you know I'm a big Russ fan. Like, Russ is my favorite player in the league. But at the same time, I'm a I'm really big on Jalen Hurts. I think it's a lot of a lot of Russ in Jalen. Like I, I'm not saying that he will reach that level, but I think that he has the ability. Like there's, 
It's like as far as his physical abilities, he can do everything that Russell Wilson can do. The deep ball is not as pretty. Still has to work on his deep ball accuracy, but I think everything else is pretty solid. You know what I mean? I think the biggest part of that was him learning from Lincoln Riley how to play quarterback. Yeah, and I'll say that, like you said, it Russell, in my opinion, Russell Wilson doesn't do enough to wow you to say, "Hey, let me go trade these three picks," and. Bring him in because again, he's gonna come in to Philly and have to do what he's doing in Seattle. What with worse weapons? What worse weapons? Right. So it's like you might as well stay put with Hurts and kind of now. But you if got they, the opportunity to go get some some star players with those three picks, like they can help Hurts. But if I, they can do something like Jalen Hurts and two of those first round picks for Metcalf. And Russ, then maybe, <laughs> then you, then you, maybe we can talk. Now you talking fantasy that's, football? That's some Madden stuff. <laughs> no, no, I'm just, I'm just saying. Maybe if if they can pull off something like that, then maybe we can have a discussion. But just giving up three first round picks for Russell Wilson, uh, you don't want to, you don't want to sell the house for a donkey without the magic beans. You got to have both. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know what happens to the Dallas Cowboys this offseason. Are they going to pay Tony Pollard? They almost have to, but I also am under the belief that he's replaceable. Um, I think you can you can bring in a young guy that can also do what he does as well. Um, but you know we 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 have we have again like Scott said we've we've gave so many people on our team so much money. That we're at the point we're at that railroad where we where we have to to make decisions what we what we do with those guys. Um, the the biggest issue in Dallas this coming season is going to be the never ending question about Sean Payton. When when are they going to get rid of Mike McCarthy and you got Sean Payton sitting out there yeah, to, to come that, in and be the that, head coach? That, that's going to be an issue for that team. That's the issue for the team as a whole throughout the year, right? But before that, you have to get through this offseason stuff. And it's like we're negative in the cap space, right? So now it's you got you got guys like Demarcus Lawrence, you got guys like Tyron Smith and Amari Cooper, right? Who are getting paid top dollar for their position, but they're not performing at that level. Yeah, and if, if I'm them, honestly, I might I might part ways with all three of those guys, especially Amari Cooper, and you can just keep Michael Gallup. You I'm, have to pay him less. I told you this. like he, he, he wowed me a little bit when we first made the trade for him, but I thought he was absolutely not worth the first-round pick in Amari Cooper. I, I thought that was the, one of the bad decisions they made. Now, granted, it paid out for him. It paid out for him because he ended up having a good year. But it was like he's not enough. Like I thought right away, Michael Gallup was better than him right away. Yeah, and then, the, then you get CD Lamb, and it's like he's expendable. And that's and that that's right there is what I was about to go to. Like they traded for Amari Cooper, and it was okay. But then it's like okay, well we drafted CD Lamb, so we're automatically paying him less money, and he's performing at a higher level. Yeah, out the gate, out the gate, right away. So in in, in, in true and. In fairness, he should have been, if it wasn't for the money behind Amari Cooper, they would have already granted him, you're our best receiver. 
But they couldn't because, hell, we're paying you so much money, you got to perform. So it, that's the hard part. Offensive line is a struggle for us. Um, and keeping a de- the defensive guys is – I think the defensive guys are fine. Just continue to build with younger guys, and I think they'll be fine. But the hard part is the guys on offense making a lot of money. Ezekiel Elliott is making a lot of money. Um, the hardest part about the, for the Dallas Cowboys realistically, like the biggest issue they have – our expectations. Yep. Every year, every year. That, sure. I mean, it's, sure. I mean, you always believe that your team is going to be good, and but every year, Cowboys fans say, "What? Oh, this is the year. This do, is the year." Do, do I always say that? Sometimes, but you know what? No, I, I say that sometimes. The past, the past few years, I've been, I've been on the board for saying that because I literally thought that they were going to be a Super Bowl team. Like with the especially after they drafted Michael Parsons, I didn't feel like it was any reason that they couldn't be because I knew coming out that he was the best defensive player coming to the, in the draft. If it wasn't gonna be um, what's the the kid's name from Denver, the cornerback, Sertan. Sertan. If it wasn't Patrick Sertan the second, it was gonna be him. And I wanted the Eagles to get either one. They didn't, which is cool. They got Devontae Smith. I'll take it. Um, but I felt like this was gonna have to be there because I knew that you guys were gonna more than likely win the NFC East. And I didn't know if any other team was like, I mean, you had Tampa, but I didn't expect for, especially after seeing the way that Rams played in the back end of the year, I thought that you guys could have beat them. I thought we could have too. But I will say this, the, the biggest surprise to me was honestly San Francisco. Because remember, they went to the Super Bowl two years ago, three years ago now, and then they had a down year. And then they came back this year and it's like, okay, that that's San Francisco. And the, the craziest thing to me is like, Guys knock so bad on Jimmy Garoppolo about it, but you know, even 49ers fans like they like every, I don't know where all this Jimmy Garoppolo hate came from. It, you know where it came from when you win a game and you throw the ball what three to four times mm-hmm. that, that that's where it comes from. That That's where it comes from. And you're not a quarterback, has, and in this day and age, a quarterback has to to somewhat go win you games. Yeah. He's not winning you games. But he's helping you win games. The quarterback only has to help you. He's the, also the, helping you lose games by not performing at a higher level, which is why they go and draft a guy like Trey Lance. They draft a guy like Trey Lance because of future potential, which was which was smart. And you want to have a guy who can be a bridge quarterback for him, but at the same time, are they at the end of the bridge with Jimmy Garoppolo? Yes. Well, well, no, because – you you were a minute and a half away from going to the Super Bowl with this guy. That was a three-point game and bad play he made. No question about it. At the end of that NFC Championship game, that was a terrible play. He shouldn't have made it. But uh, you, have a, you were just talking about with the Bengals. The expectation level is now up here. You are an NFC Championship team. Are you going to say that the quarterback that got you there isn't good enough anymore, and and on top of that, I'm not going to go with the young guy who is completely unproven. I realize there's a chance they might try to pull a trade or bring somebody in, but I, I don't understand if, if if you got as far as San Francisco got, how you don't just go ahead and roll with Jimmy Garoppolo again in 2022. I think that's what they should do. I think because they think that they're a quarterback away. Like I think I think the quarterback play shows them, hey, if we get a good quarterback and we continue to do what we do, we might be successful. I think the real Jimmy G hate, you were mentioning about the three or four passes a game. I think the real hate comes from that missed throw 
fourth quarter in the Super Bowl against Kansas City. Oh, yeah. He, he, he flat missed the throw. Yeah. And he makes that throw. San Francisco wins that game. And and that's how kind of and, – And that's been his problem since he's been there, right? He's missed key down-the-field throws that could potentially help them win games, and, and it doesn't. San Francisco, though, has been – kind of injury plagued since that Super Bowl. And even this past season, they didn't start off that good because they had guys out. And then, you know, Kittle comes back and they start to play a lot better. And Jimmy G started playing a lot better and they really started to take off. So I think that's a a thing you need to take into account when you're when you're evaluating San Francisco as a whole is that that year after the Super Bowl, they were I mean, everybody got hurt that year and they just kind of fell apart. And then it, it kind of started that way for them this season. But then when they got their guys back, they started playing a lot better. Yeah, and I, I think the one thing that they've been doing well, obviously, is granted to Kyle Shanahan, but they've been running an offense that's predicated around making Jimmy Garoppolo comfortable. So they short up the offensive line. I mean, obviously, it's not the best, but it's very good. It's a very solid offensive line. They have running running backs for days. I don't even know where the hell they get all these. Like, Elijah Mitchell was like an undrafted guy. He was the third guy going into the season on the depth chart, but then the starting running back end up getting hurt. And out comes Elijah Mitchell, and now he's the star running back. And then they still have Trey Sermon out there, who they got in, what, the third or fourth round out of Ohio State. Like, And, shit, you got Debo Samuel, who, who now considers himself a wide back. He, he create him, – him and uh, uh, Cordero Patterson are the only wide receivers who are wide backs in the NFL. It's only two of them in the position. So we need more wide backs now out, out there. So are they going to start implementing that in the high school, like guys who are wide backs? Talk, talk to your OC over here. He's he's, Eric, he's He's got the playbook. If you have a guy on the team who's a wide receiver, but you feel like you're able to put him at running back, will you do it? Will you put him at, at a wide back position? Or, um, or do you want to keep him as a wide receiver and just have him learn the true ways of a wide receiver? We actually had a wide receiver that – um, when our running back went down um, <clears throat> last year, we actually took a wide receiver and moved him to running back. And um, he ended up being um, really good for us because there was – he was kind of more of a, a, a change the pace back for us. Um, he was a little bit more shiftier. So he was able to get out of space and um, – and get going a little bit to where it helped our offense kind of move because he was a little bit faster. So, I mean, it happens. I don't foresee it to be like the 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 main thing though. Um, they run they 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 run a lot of different things at you. Um, San Francisco does, and um, I I don't know. People talk a lot about how basketball has transitioned to kind of positionless basketball. Mm-hmm. You're seeing a lot in football with skill guys yeah. be almost positionless. Yep. You know, you see running backs split out all the time. You see why, you know, so it's a more about get as much talent at the skill positions as you can and just invent ways to get those guys the ball. Yep. And a lot of, lot of what the NFL, or not just the NFL, but football in general now is like um, – it's it's getting a defense to go one way and you're going another way, right? So that kind of helps. Like the jet sweep is now like the biggest thing now. I mean, hell, Cooper Cup takes jet sweeps now. So it's like, how can you um, alter the your offense 
to get the numbers on one side of the ball um, to be able to run the ball effectively. Um, so it may happen. Maybe Percy Harvey was a little bit ahead of his time. Oh, he was definitely ahead of his time. The guy, the guy was unstoppable at Florida. The biggest, the the biggest key to Tim Tebow's success was Percy Harvin. You can go back and look at the tape. Yeah, and Percy Harvin was recruited. He was recruited as a quarterback coming out of high school, which is crazy. But um, with all that being said, man, uh, it was a great NFL season. Off season, I think this year's. I think all teams have to key in on free agency because I don't think that the the draft is going to be that great. Like. The, some guys coming out are really good, but like the positions that people usually key in on, like quarterback, wide receiver has a couple good guys, like guys who will be like first year, like notable. But I think like down the line, this this draft is definitely based more on potential. And I think that's why you're going to see that we've been talking about the quarterback carousel with veteran players because the the draft, n- not the best year. Uh, to be a team needing a quarterback if you want to go out in the draft and grab one. Uh, I think they're projecting two or three in the first round, but nothing really until the top 13 or 14 picks. So, I mean, uh, there's certainly, at least in, in the minds of the scouts, there's not that that franchise-changing guy out there. Uh, you never know. But, but I'm interested to see, like, Aiden Hutchinson right now is projected to be the number one overall pick. And I like I'm a Michigan fan. Yep. But... I don't know about number one overall pick, depending upon what my needs are and who I already have on the team. Like Aiden, Hutch, I think it's, it's Jacksonville, right? It's Jacksonville. They need a lot. I don't know if he's. I don't. I don't know answer. if like if you're in the top. Well, hell, if you're in the top ten, you're burning up your phone, trying to get somebody to come up, and you're trying to acquire extra picks because you're right. There, there's not now. We won't know. Obviously, it's the draft, so everyone's wrong until you know proven otherwise. But the the thought is that there really isn't that franchise changing guy. If you're Jacksonville at one, or I think Detroit's at two, and, and like who are those guys gonna? I mean, they're gonna have an impact because they're good players, but they're not gonna be those guys where you're picking at the top of the draft. You want them to completely change your franchise. Yeah. Well, and I this agree. this is what I say about Aiden Hutchinson. Like, obviously, I watched. A lot of Michigan games, but he has a great burst off the line, but he doesn't have a lot of moves. Like, you know what I mean? It's, it's just real, like a one trick pony. And if I'm drafting a guy like that high up, I want him to not only be because he's not like crazy fast, right? Like back in the day, like you had guys who got drafted like really high, like Jadavion Clowney, but he was super fast and he was like really strong. He had different moves, right? Mario Williams, was extremely fast off the line. So it's like, okay, like I can kind of see that. Aiden Hutchinson, while he had a great season, I wouldn't say it's like, ah, uh, if I put him if I insert him day one, can he make it can he make a huge impact on my team? Yeah, I don't does, think so. He doesn't have the speed or the motor like a Joey Bosa chase. Yeah, but you, you talk about Joey. Joey Bosa is amazing Nick off the Bosa. line. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. When you're sure. And Nick. Not, and I think Nick is better than Joey. Yeah, when you're Jacksonville, though, I mean, one guy is not going to, especially a defensive end. I'm sorry, but you, nah. you, you, need, you need a lot of people in Jacksonville. Uh, Doug Peterson, I think, is a good hire there. I think he'll you know, do well. Um, yeah, I'm, absolutely. I'm kind of surprised he took that job. But, I mean, uh, I guess Trevor Lawrence was, was too good to pass up, but – you're right. Hutchinson's not going to. You need more than him. You need a lot of guys out there. But you know, I think that was 
even though I really thought they were going to go Byron Leftwich, I think if they don't hire Byron Leftwich, a coach like Doug Peterson, it's the best thing for a team like Jacksonville. It, it sounded like they wanted to hire Byron Leftwich, but he had some issues with the the front office or who was going the to be. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I mean, and, and good for for Leftwich for for standing up and saying that. You know, don't just take a job to take a job. Take the job that you think is where you're going to be successful. Well, because he wanted him, like you know the story, right? They wanted him to hire Adrian Wilson. Yes. Who was the obviously the former safety for the Arizona Cardinals. But he wanted them to hire Adrian Wilson, which I know Adrian Wilson had an interview for the job. But they went in a different direction, and Byron Leftwich told him that he's not going to be the head coach if Adrian Wilson wasn't the the GM. Wow. So, that's, yeah. That's, that's, I mean, but you, you have to, right? Like, at some point you have to say, I want to work for at least somebody, especially a GM. I want to work for somebody who I know and trust who's going to be there and have the best interest for me. Yeah, and I mean, honestly, I think when you look, and this is ironic, when you look at the situation of Doug Peterson, like the GM is honestly what ended up screwing him in Philadelphia. Yeah. Because, I mean, Howie Roseman, obviously, you know, he had one opinion and Doug Peterson had a different mm-hmm. You know, obviously, they wanted to go in a different direction other than Carson Wentz. And Doug Peterson was like, that's my guy. Yep. And it just ended up, you know what I mean, blowing it up in his face. So now he goes into a situation with Jacksonville. But Jacksonville just had an issue where they couldn't get a head coach because a quarterback or the the coach didn't want to work with that GM. But now, you, you know what I mean, I can look back and understand, like, now I understand why, like, that's so important for Byron Leftwich to do. 100%. I mean, we talked about it before. I mean, just even minor, in my opinion, minority coaches, right? Like, it, it the ability to make sure you land in the right spot so that you don't be a one-year and done or a two-year and done is, it, it, it is very, very high. You have to do that. And not only that, as a head coach, I think you want to make sure that you're on the same page as the GM. You know what I mean? Because – you can't say, all right, I'm thinking one way, but you're thinking the other way because then it's, well, I feel like I have to defer to you versus, okay, let's go in and make a decision together. You know yeah, what I mean? I mean, look at Doug Peterson. He won a Super Bowl and what, two years two later? Two years later, he's, he's gone. gone. And then even not only that, look at Brian Flores. Just came out of a similar situation, right? He didn't get along with the GM. And then it was issues, you know what I mean? That's originally how it started out, but then it came out that it's issues with, the owner, you know what I mean, and yeah, the owner. But then you know the crazy part was they made up a lie. They said that he was not getting along with um with Tua. Their, with Tua. 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 Oh yeah, the story I read was something. It was more that he didn't. He wanted the team to draft Herbert over Tua. If you remember, right. Miami picked five that year, Los mm-hmm. Angeles six, and Dolphins obviously took Tua. They made it sound like Flores was really kind of punching the table for Herbert, and when it was Tua, it kind of that kind of started the the disconnect there. I'm not saying that's true, but that's something that's been put out there. So, did you guys watch the the interview on IOM athlete? I did not. Did not watch it. I did. I watched it. So, I mean, they talk that they necessarily didn't talk about those players directly, but they do talk about you know I don't know if you know who Omar Kelly is, but he covers the. He covers the Dolphins mm-hmm, uh, for the NFL. Um, but he talked about how 
the his first season there, it was supposed to be a tank season for Joe Burrow. And everybody was upset apparently that and I had no I had no idea that like I mean obviously I knew teams tanked, but I didn't know anybody cared that much because it's like, okay, you you wanted him to lose these games to get the number one pick so that he could get well, at the time, you know, that season was supposed to be Tua, right? Remember at the beginning of that season was Tank for Tua was the They started that. Yeah, remember that was the that was the that was the thing. <laughs> tank for Tua. Tank for Tua. Well Burrow was a, a mid round pick at, at that point. Yeah, and but Burrow ended up exploding onto yep. the onto the scene, ended up having a phenomenal college season, which he would have been the number one pick regardless. But when you ask when you ask a man to go out there and lose games just so he can get a, a quarterback but y'all have to understand, like, and I get that in hindsight, like, dang, they could have had Joe Burrow. But this man had back-to-back winning. He had a winning season with Ryan uh, with Ryan Fitzpatrick. Then he has a winning season with Tua Tungavailoa. They were they started out 1-7 last year. But, again, it goes to where, like, we, we always talk about contenders and pretenders. And they are a pretender, Right. They are a team who, hey, we're gonna try to do whatever we can to try to, to um, to get to that level. But they'll never be a Super Bowl contending team, not with that organization how it's ran now. No, you won't. Tanking for games is not okay, and thinking that you could tank for games and try to turn it around with a quarterback is not is not gonna happen. So, do you feel like they made the right decision with letting Brian Flores go? No. Or do you think that they sh- – do you think because nah, – No, we don't know the, the inner workings. Maybe it became untenable on both ends, but – For sure. W- right. Was Brian Flores a good coach? Yeah, he was. Uh, he, he made the Dolphins a better team. There were, that team last year, to go from 1-7, when you're 1-7, how many times do we see it? Guys just check out. They're already going to the golf course for the, for the offseason. Those dudes came back and they were legitimately in the playoff race going into Week 17. And it started on Thursday Night Football when they beat the Ravens. Yes, yes. He, he's the one of not many coaches in the Bill Belichick era that has beaten Bill Belichick. For I mean, not just in that division, just in in general in that division, there's not a lot of coaches that can walk away and say they've beat Bill Bill Belichick. Not only that, he's the only coach I think in the past twenty years that had a winning season with the Miami Dolphins. But I'm not not a winning, but a back to back winning season. Right. Like that's I mean, uh, shit to to take the Dolphins back to. I mean, and we also have to take into consideration they did miss the playoffs two years ago. Right. But they were ten and six. Mm-hmm. Like that's stuff that I think we have to take into consideration too. It's not like. Flor, I mean, I thought Flores was a bad firing, but if, if you all want to really want to be pissed off about coaches getting fired or how coaches were treated or how they were set up to fail or whatever, that Raiders. damn, well, that too, but that damn David Culley situation in Houston was ridiculous. Yeah. Me, me and yeah. Scott are best friends now. I mean, that they, it's almost like they hired him knowing that they were just going to do that after so, one year. So, like, he he's a big advocate of that. And, that's why I said I, I'll, I'll never I'll never root for the, the Houston Texans now, to win the game. The one thing I will say, I understand that the the Houston the Texans might have kind of had this be a throwaway throwaway year because with all the uncertainty surrounding Deshaun Watson, I, I would understand that piece of it. But I mean, they were almost just but, being obvious trying to field a terrible team. I, I will say this though, I'm I'm a firm believer because now I look back on it and I think about how things kind of played out. 
I think it it's really wild that when you look at like in retrospect, I think a lot of them hiring David Cully was a, a belief that they would be able to get Deshaun Watson to stay. One hundred percent. And I said that when they hired him last year, right? But it was one of those things where I was like, when you saw, and I, I said it on the last podcast, I'll say it again. When you saw that first press conference, you knew then, right, right, right then, you knew there was no way he was going to be there that long. Now, I ain't going to say it was a year, but he looked like he didn't even know what the fuck the plan was. Well, I don't, look, I don't think that they necessarily had a plan, they didn't right? They one. But that's, that's my point is, like, if you're coming into a situation and you're saying, okay, I'm going to take this job as the head coach, I need to know exactly, hey, where where do we lie with Deshaun Watson? Either we're with him or we're against him, and we're going to get rid of him. We're not going to sit here and play these games all year. But you know how I feel about that, Eric. Uh, what did I say? When, he when was you brought have the- in to be a puppet. But when you have an opportunity, especially as somebody who is a coordinator who wants to become a head coach, you just be like, hey, I just need the opportunity. Hey, well, that's why I said I think you got to really, really respect what Byron Leftwich did. Because now, but to to Mario's point, there's only 32 of these jobs. And just because you get offered one doesn't mean you're getting offered another one. And so I understand why he might, okay, this is my chance. Let me take it and see what I can do with this. I get that part of it too, but... Yeah, it, it wow. I mean, they they did nothing to help that guy. But but I, and I I get what you're saying, but I also am the the guy that says there's seven to eight jobs open every year. Yeah, but you're not a, you're, you're not, not guaranteed. To, hold on, you're not guaranteed to get those jobs. But there is seven to eight opportunities every single year. Let me every ask, year. Let me ask this honestly though, and given what's happened the last couple of years. Is Eric Bieniemy ever going to get a job? Probably not. I'm thinking no because his window, where I mean, he was the hot, and for whatever reason, I don't know if he's a bad. I don't. He didn't get a job, whatever. But now things, or maybe he was offered a job and, and didn't take it. But now, you know, a little bit of the shines come off of that with the way Mahomes has, has played the last couple of years, and so has Bieniemy's opportunity kind of pass. You, you know, and so. It kind of goes back to Mario's point where if you're given that opportunity or you're offered that opportunity, it is really, really hard to turn that down, no matter what the situation. I think he's he he hasn't been given the opportunity to take the job. Um, I don't know if the but like I told Mario, there was only a couple jobs he wanted that he said publicly that he wanted to interview for this year. And if you're Eric B. Enemy, you have to start to be either one, you gotta take a job that go for a job, any job and just take it. Or you have to be the guy that says, no, I'm standing on my stoop and I'm only going after jobs that that will give me the best chance to succeed. Yeah, but sometimes, like, no, and I agree with you. Like, you know what I mean? Like, sometimes you have to, but at the, at the same time, you have to realize you, you sit on that stoop too long, you just going to end up sitting on that stoop because nobody's it, nobody's going to come around and say, "Hey, you know what? We offered you before." You know what I mean? They're not going to offer you again. But but I think he he's never gotten an offer, and I think Well, he hasn't, no. And I think because he hasn't gotten an offer, it's always been because Mahomes is probably one of the best quarterbacks we've ever seen, so it's kind of a cheat code for you. And it's always been Andy Reid is one of the great Hold on, let me finish. And it's always one one of those things where Andy Reid is one of the greatest offensive minds that we've ever seen in the game. We talked about it last podcast. 
he probably won't get a job until he a head coaching job offer until he goes somewhere else as an OC and has some success that shows that he's better than just because of Patrick Mahomes. And I just read tonight he's back he in really, Kansas City this next year. Yeah, he, he just yeah, he's just he, back. In, yeah, he's coming back. They announced it today, but I I will say this: if that's the case, and if teams, well, I'm, he has to because no, if teams, every OC has been picked. I think so. Part. But I think so. No, you almost have to stay. But that's the thing, or though. Take a year off. If if that's the case, and teams don't hire him for that reason, like I said before, and I'll say it again, that's absolutely disrespectful because you it gave is. Matt Nagy a job. It is. You gave Doug Peterson a job. It is. Both had less success with the Kansas City Chiefs than Eric Bieniemy. Yeah. So that that would be redundant to say, well, we need to see you perform somewhere else because we've had co- two coaches get hired off the same merit. Mm-hmm. But we know it's not always fair either. Yeah, no, it's, that, it's not always that, fair. That merit ain't yeah. apples to apples. But I have, I've, I've heard multiple things about Eric Bieniemy and why he hasn't gotten a job offer. And at the same time, well, I understand it. I don't understand it. But you know what I mean. I know with these NFL organizations, they don't want somebody with a lot of pushback. And I think Eric, they feel like Eric Bieniemy would give too much pushback if he doesn't necessarily agree with the decisions that are being made. And if you if you have that feeling, then that means I am only going to take a job that's, or go for a job that's absolutely something I want that that, that makes sense. Like a Byron Leverage. I'm not going to come here and coach here as a head coach, and I can't get the GM that I want. Because I already know then if I don't, now I'm button with the GM probably year two. I'm probably gone year three. Yeah. No, like I said, I don't, I don't knock him for his decision. Uh, obviously, I think is it'll be opportunities down the line for Byron Leftwich, the Jacksonville job. I mean, that's gonna probably come back open. <laughs> <laughs> probably, it's just one of those organizations where it's like they'll be back. They'll be looking for a coach in a couple of years. But, what's, but what's maybe, you? but maybe they won't though. You know what I mean? No. Like Doug Peterson is not a bad coach. When he got to Philadelphia, he had to trust me. The cleanup he had to do off of Chip Kelly. Oh uh, yeah, I mean that that chip was very very bad. But not only that, he dismantled the team, mm-hmm. and Peterson, Doug Peterson, had to go in re regain the trust of these players, and then develop the team into something because they had fell apart. Yeah, traded Lashawn McCoy, traded Deshaun Jackson, like it got bad. But I but but before he was saying that, like I I'm on the on the side of the Raiders, like. Them not going with the um, interim head coach who got them to the playoffs. I know. He, I forget his name too. I, I know who you're I talking about. His name, he's, just, he's now he he just took the special teams job somewhere. Um, I want to say Chicago, but I, that that might not be right. But that's, but. That, that that to me is just the one. Like he proved that he he was head coach worthy. They went out and they hired Josh McDaniels, which I'm 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 not I'm not a fan. I'm I'm not in favor of Josh McDaniels. I think we've seen this before. Yep, and we'll see it again. I mean, he, yeah, it's, he's not going to do that. Well. Yeah, it's just like you ever seen a sequel to a movie and the sequel is just worse. I think this will be one of those things. You talk about dismantling teams. He's a guy who dismantled Denver. He traded Jay Cutler after Jay Cutler made it to the Pro Bowl. And then turn around and traded Brandon Marshall the following year. Yeah, and then what happened? Uh, got Tim Tebow. What was the guy's name? Uh, John Fox. John Fox mm-hmm. got hired right after they fired him. Had to come in, clean it up, and then they ended up making the playoffs and beating the Steelers. Yeah. Which is crazy. Off of a post. 
Yeah, Versace that was slant. Yeah, Versace is his name. Versace. Just, okay, yeah, that yeah, just yeah, occurred yeah. to me. Yeah, he. I think he should have got the job. He was at least give him a two year deal. Nah, Something. I, 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 I won't lie to you. I agree. I agree. Um, a hundred percent. Maybe that's what they need to do. If you're not sold on a coach, give him a shorter deal. Give him. A, that's what you do with a player. Give him a short term deal. It would actually be nice if they could franchise tag a coach. No. If they look, the contract is so, up. No, because you're now you're talking about coaching salary going against the cap. Oh yeah, it's true. You know what I mean? Yeah, you don't want that. Don't want but yeah, no, nah, I, I think yeah, I think a two year deal would a two year deal would have been fair. And then you know what I mean? A one, with a one year team option. Speaking of cap, cap's supposed to go up, right? What, yeah, 60, yeah, sixty three, yeah. sixty four mil. I think it's sixty three. So I mean, it'll it'll be nice for some teams. Some teams are still. Under the, under the cap. Some teams are already there. Yeah. They got to get back below it. Yeah, but uh, I don't know. It'd be interesting to see kind of what how the offseason unfolds. Um, any any big predictions on on what may happen this offseason? Any bold predictions? Just before we go over, start talking a little bit NBA. I'll, I'll, the only thing I'll say is that the the Pittsburgh Steelers will not start the season with Mason Rudolph and they won't start the season with a rookie. Okay, I I don't know if that's a bold prediction. Yeah. I'd rather that's not, not real. Yeah. I'm with you. I'm with you. Yeah. I I I'm I'm the same. Um I don't even know why Mason Rudolph is still on the roster, but it's a different story for a different day. Here here's a bolder one. Watch keep an eye on the Baker Mayfield situation in Cleveland. Yeah. I I was going to I was going to go with that one is probably the one um, they're another team where they probably think they're a quarterback away. Well, I mean, now they have to think of something else because it looks like Jarvis Landry is unhappy based off his social media participation. Well, yeah, into their defense, he's due a lot of money and haven't lived up to it. I won't say that. <clears throat> You're, you're, he led the, you, two years ago. He led the team in receptions. This past season, he was hurt most of the year. Again, bro, I tell you, I told you this. I would rather him. I guys, would rather him leave though. Guys cannot. Guys got to get it in their mind that they cannot play through injury. You cannot play through injury because this is a league. This is a day and age, regardless of sports. It's what have you done for me lately? Absolutely. And you play through injury like he did or like Ezekiel Elliott did. And where does it get you? You're being loyal. You're being a guy who loves the game. But they don't care. They're, the, the media and the fans are going to portray it to be something totally different. Not only that, but guys have incentives in their contract. And you know everybody. Wanted- Ezekiel Elliott had over 1,000 yards on a on a bad ACL all season. Yeah, and in, like, in, in in the average Joe or the media is saying he had a bad year. What's wrong with him? What's wrong with him? And not to mention only seven guys cracked a thousand this season. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree with you. I, I definitely understand like what you're saying, but I'm saying like these guys have incentives in their contracts. I get that. And, and I mean you you know if you're worried about hey, if you're worried about something that's not guaranteed, I just got my review. Yesterday, I don't bank on that. I I don't. 
I, that's an incentive. That's a yearly incentive bonus. I don't bank on it. If I get it, I get it. But damn it, I better get it. But if that if those incentives say, hey, a quarter million dollars, a million dollars, you're going to be a little bit more worried about that no, incentive. No, not really, because guess what? My You talk about my thousands of bonus, and they're millions because they're already making millions. It's it's the same. It's just their, their, their level of money that they're already making is already a lot higher. Yeah, I don't know. I'm but still. It's a, it's a certain percentage. Yeah, no, Those it bonuses is. Those yeah. are probably roughly ten to what twelve percent of their salary. Like, I mean, even what's the name? Uh, Odell Beckham, right? The playoffs will only made like three million dollars. That's different. Off incentives. That's different, though. You know why it's different? That's saying, hey, we're a team and we're playing into the postseason, versus Jarvis Landry problem. Dog, you wasn't getting that many incentives anyway like that. No, he had a pretty healthy contract. His incentives probably was performance-based for himself. Yeah, for sure. Which Odell's Odell's were too. Odell's was performance-based for the team. If the team goes further in the playoffs, the further he got – the, he got money. No, it was he had an incentive in his con like in his contract said that if he had like three touchdowns in his at least three touchdowns in the playoffs that he would get a million or extra what million okay. dollars. If he had over a hundred a hundred yards receiving, he would get another million dollars. Like okay. well, that's because his contract because he you know obviously he was cut oh, from yeah. Cleveland, so the Rams gave him a. Yes, it was based on individual performance, but it was tied to the playoffs because really that's what they brought him in for. Yeah, was yeah, to for get, sure. You know, so uh, his situation is a little bit different because of when he signed there mm-hmm. versus when you sign a contract in free agency, it's going to be largely based on individual metrics and things like that. Yeah. Yeah, so I don't know, man. I it That's just one of those things that's hard uh, to read, but uh, I don't know. I don't have any bold projections predictions for the offseason not really um denver denver has to they have to make a big move then we carolina and i I think something has to happen carolina's in the dumps third well i think i think they trade they'll trade christian Christian mccaffrey they probably will and they're gonna fire their coach matt rule so that that, that rule's gone that's been a uh, steady decline from his uh his heights at baylor and thinking he was kind of the next big thing in coaching and he's But to think they started to remember they started season four and oh. And then Sam Darnold showed up. That almost makes it worse. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say then the real Sam Darnold showed up. But no, I I definitely think that uh I think Christian McCaffrey is gone out of Carolina. And I think Denver makes a move. They don't if they don't get Aaron Rodgers, they get a big quarterback, a, a big name quarterback. I think that they know that they have too many good uh skill guys in place and a, a good offensive line and they have a top ten defense. Mm-hmm. They'll make a move to get. I mean, I like Teddy Bridgewater, but I don't know if he's the answer there. No, 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 no. Not. Again, you in this day and age, you want a quarterback to go win you games, and he doesn't do that. We have to find out what's gonna happen with Jameis Winston or Carson Wentz or Carson Wentz. That Carson Wentz was another thing I did kind of want to talk about. We could talk about it briefly. You got you guys got time? No, I'm do it. Do All right, it. So Carson Wentz is reported that they're looking to uh, they have to trade him or release him by was I think March 19th because if they don't then he's due like some absurd amount of money and right now the reports are looking like they're either going to trade him 
or they're going to cut him. And, and cut him seems more likely to happen because nobody wants to pick, to pick up that contract. Do you think that's the right move for Indianapolis? Yes. 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 And look, don't, don't, this is easy. Look at who won division championships this year. Go through all eight divisions. The best quarterback in each division won the division. This is a quarterback league. You're telling, if you don't think Carson Wentz can match up with Mahomes, Allen, Burrow, Jackson, and all those guys in the AFC, it's kind of like, and I'm as guilty of this as the next guy with the, the whole Andy Dalton situation. Just stop it. You need an elite quarterback to win in this league, and if you don't think Carson Wentz is that guy, don't don't keep him just because you might, you know, might not be able to find somebody else. Go find a guy. Go. I, I don't think that's true, though. I don't agree with you, Scott. Okay. And I, so you're a Wentz guy. No, I'm, I'm no, yeah, yeah, yeah. I am a Wentz guy. I like Carson Wentz. It's only him and Dan Orlowski are like the two top guys. Like you, you probably have like a Wentz jersey on your wall. Um, <laughs> you probably have all his dolls and everything that they did for fan night. But yes, he's making too much money to to do what he's doing. Now I think you would restructure his contract would be the smartest thing. Cutting him. Or trading him, I don't think that's the answer. And I'll tell I'll tell you why. Because I, I would trade him to I, Chicago for Justin Fields. Yeah, I would. Shit, I would too. But I don't think the Bears want to do that. No, they're not stupid. Because I think the ceiling is way higher for Justin Fields than it is for Carson Wentz. But I I will say this: I don't think Carson Wentz is a bad quarterback in in the right system, right? Like, and, and I get it. He's he's <laughs> on, he's man. made some bad he's made some bad decisions. How many times are you going to say he needs to be in the right system? I think most quarterbacks need to be in the right system. Oh, let's, let's exactly. Let's, every Aaron Rodgers needs to be in the right system, you know, but it's it's what you do in that system. I think part of the reason Wentz is we're talking about Wentz and and, and there's concern about Wentz. Ryan Grigson has been kind of seen as like this boy wonder GM, and he's done some really good things in Indianapolis. But then if you kind of take a deeper dive in there, I think it's like one playoff win in eight years. And he's starting to feel a little bit of heat now because as he should, he should absolutely. But I'm going to go back to yes, I, I totally agree. Systems do matter, but if you look across the league, these systems aren't too off. They're the you're right. They're the same. So at some point, you can't say he needs a system. They're very similar. Now, verbiage may be different. How they do certain things may be a little bit different, but we're talking about guys who are coming off the same coaching tree. They're doing this. The Bengals offense is the same style of offense as the as the Rams. Yeah, it is. It is. And and this is what I'm saying to you. That's why I believe that him being in Indianapolis is beneficiary is beneficiary for him and for the coach because he already knows all the verbiage. He knows most of the play calls. He's stinking well, he knows it all up. the play calls. He's not stinking it up. He's had he's had some bad games, but he's had a lot of pedestrian games, right? And I think that's the issue. He's that's had the problem. He's had more games that are pedestrian but than that are great. You really shouldn't be having those type of games when you have a dominant running back behind you. That dude was killing people, winning games by himself. Yeah. And there's no way. Because he's I mean, but look look at Ryan Tannehill, right? Ryan Tannehill made his career, well, in Tennessee anyway, off the same thing, right? Off the same thing. Remember the No, no, he did. He, he did, right? But guess what? 
what Ryan Tannehill did this year was said, we don't have Derrick Henry. I'm going to go out there and win you some ball games. Did nope. he? No Julio Jones. De- no A.J. Brown. Deontay Foreman was rushing for 87 yards a game. 87? Yes, he, he was, was averaging. Good. He, was pretty, he was pretty good. Is, is that what Derrick Henry did? He averaged like 100, what, 105 100 or 110. Who? Hey, Derrick Henry, and he got more carries a game than Deontay Foreman. Deontay Foreman was averaging damn near six yards a carry. So don't I, tell me Ryan Tannehill went out there and won them games left and right without Derrick Henry because they were still running the ball effectively. They had, a, I, they had a good offensive line, and when you got a guy like A.J. Brown, they don't have A.J. Brown in Indianapolis. They got AJ, Michael Pittman Jr. who was hurt for like AJ five Brown, weeks. A.J. Brown was hurt for a lot of the year. Julio Jones was hurt for a lot of the year. He was hurt they, for a lot of the year, and they ran the ball Ryan, when he was out. Ryan Tannehill still did enough to win ball games. Carson Wentz is not doing enough to win ball games. They were the number one seed in the AFC. That says a lot. You just don't do that by getting 87 yards a game. No, you don't. But you also have a stellar defense, which the Colts had a good. They had a the good. Colts defense. got a good defense. It, it was good. It wasn't. It wasn't as as great as the Titans, but it was good. They were the number one seed, dog. They were. If if I asked you, would they be the number one seed before the season? You would have said hell no. In that division? No, they were oh, the number one seed oh, in, the con- oh, in the conference. No, no, because I, I thought it would have been Kansas City. Who, were, who was the number two? Kansas City was it was Tennessee one, KC two, Buffalo three, Cincy four. I wouldn't. I thought they would have been hovering at three or four, not one. Okay, and look, I'm, I'm Carson Wentz is at the point where he needs to be a backup quarterback or out of the league. Oh, I, no. I don't go that far, but keep it simple though. Here, it, it's let's simplify it. If the goal is to win the Super Bowl, is Carson Wentz going to take the Colts to the Super Bowl in the no. AFC with the other guys that are already there? No, probably the, not. No, no, with the guys, but that's that's the key part, right? With the guys, that but are that's already who's there. there. You 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 know, so but you it's, only got who well, you got. But you're looking for a guy to turn. I'm not going to say much, but you're looking for a guy to turn. I'm, I'm not going to say much because they got Jonathan Taylor. But, like, Michael Pittman Jr., he's a good wide receiver. Not an all-pro wide receiver, right? Who's on the opposite side of Michael Pittman Jr.? Was the, I don't know this. Was Pas- the, uh, Pascal. Was the Colts roster that different from when Phillip Rivers took him into Buffalo and almost no, beat him? No, no. I mean, you can make that comparison. That no. Cool. no, I mean, in the, the Colts were what? They were one game out of the playoffs this year. Yeah. If they win the last game. Against, two, they, they lost the last two. Yeah. If they, if, and the, the, the last one, against, one was the Jacksonville. The one against the Raiders, I, I kind of understood that. The Raiders were a solid team. Jacksonville, losing to Jacksonville, the only thing I could think is everybody went out and drank the night before Something. and party, and then was just hungover and went to go play football. That's, the only, that's the only thing I could think of. Because you, you don't know. get blown out by Jacksonville. I don't care if it's week seventeen or week twelve or well, week one. And you one. just said, I mean, that game. If I remember that game correctly, that was it was not close. No, it was terrible. And that's the defining factor, deciding factor of why he doesn't need to be with the Indianapolis Colts. Nah, I, I won't say that. I, I definitely think Carson is, is still a guy that, that can go out and can be a if guy. That who, was Jimmy Garoppolo that did that. Jimmy Garoppolo would have so much heat. But oh, this absolutely. But that but Jimmy Garoppolo is the prime example of why I say you don't need an elite quarterback to win you games. Or to to get you you don't. I'll That's say an exception. I'll He's say it this a, way. They, they I, I, the one thing I will agree with Mario on and put it to you this way. If you subscribe to the theory that 
the number one goal is to get yourself into the playoffs and then try to get yourself like the almost like the Bengals did where they just go on a run and catch fire. Could Carson Wentz win the AFC South with the way Tennessee, Jacksonville, and Houston are currently constructed? Yes. Oh, they could. They could. I would take Tennessee every if you were to ask me right now who's gonna win the South next year, Tennessee. But would it be the biggest shock in the world if Indianapolis won? No, because I generally think the South is not very good. Uh, I know Tennessee was the number one seed, but just, you know, they were a ball control team and they were the beneficiaries of playing Houston twice, Jacksonville twice, Indianapolis twice. Uh, and look, the, the other teams in, in the conference, like Kansas City and Buffalo, had some stumbles that allowed Tennessee to elevate to number one. I agree with you, Eric. I would I would move on from Wentz. I get Mario's point though that if I'm could I win the AFC South with Wentz? Sure, you could. You have to let go. I'm look. I'm not even a Colts fan. You're I'm a Carson Wentz fan. I'm a realist in saying we, that no, he's no, no, he's, no, no. he's got the, the ability Car- to go out and win you ball games week to week after week. You're a Carson Wentz fan. And when you when you are a fan of somebody, you stick behind them thick and thin. I do, but, <laughs> but that's it. I, I also and that's I, not that you also don't, that when, when I'm wrong, I'll admit that I'm wrong. But okay. I don't feel like I'm wrong about Carson Wentz in this situation. I do, I do believe that he's due too much money. Yes, so I can understand it from a financial standpoint. And that's what I said for him to be mediocre. But me, he's making too much money. So is Ryan Tannehill. He's winning games. Yeah, but not in the playoffs. Hasn't won a playoff game in two years. I get it. And it's coming for him too, probably. And his last two losses came from AFC North teams. So. But I'll say this too. It's always a pass when you lose to a team that makes it to the Super Bowl too. Well, the Ravens didn't make it, but the Bengals made it because yeah. they beat the Titans. And if I'm right. sure Titans fans are like, damn, if we didn't lose to the Bengals, that could have been us probably. Yeah. So that's why I say and, and, like. And why did they lose that game? They lost because of who? Ryan Tannehill. Threw three interceptions. He threw an interception. First of all, they ran a screenplay, and he didn't even try to disguise it. As soon as he came off the line, you knew he was throwing the screen. To NBA. Okay, let's go. <laughs> all right, NBA is starting back up tonight. Coming off All-Star break, man, uh, we haven't talked a lot about NBA on the podcast because of football, but now we got to deep dive in. Uh, well, we don't have to, I guess we don't have to deep dive, but we can definitely talk about some of these teams and who you guys are feeling are real contenders coming off of the All-Star break. First of all, did you did you watch the All-Star game? I watched a little bit of it. it I did mean, you watch dunk contests, anything? I didn't watch the dunk contest, but I heard that it's it's probably a good thing I didn't. I heard this, it was I heard it was the, really bad. This is the first year I did not watch. I did watch the, the three. Saturday I watched the three point contest though. I didn't watch anything Saturday night. Did you? Caught the very end of the three point contest, and I caught the fourth quarter of the actual game. Mainly because I had the over. No, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> man, that it was it's bad. It was bad. Bad weekend. Um, game kind of was okay, but. Um, contenders. I want to say Brooklyn, but I am on the fence with this. I don't know what the hell's going on with Ben Simmons. He's still not. He's still out indefinite. I don't care if they got Ben Simmons, if they got Ben McAdoo, if they got Ben Rice, if they got Ben 
what's the other guy name? Uh, ben Wallace. Ben Wallace. Ben anything. Ben anybody named Ben. I don't care if they got Ben Gordon. They got a man named Kevin Durant who's coming off an injury. And that, that New York is about to drop the mandate, so Kyrie Irving will be able to play home yep. games. I don't care about Ben Simmons. Not can I mean not gonna contribute to the offense like that. Yeah, like oh, I get it. I get it. I, I I definitely I agree. I do think uh, the Nets are gonna be tough, man. And I think Kevin Durant, especially after all the turmoil with James Harden, I think he's coming out and he has something to prove. Yeah, I agree. And the uh, only thing worse than the mad Kevin Durant is the mad LeBron James. Or a mad Steph Curry. I'll say a mad Steph Curry, too. So, so he, is LeBron James mad now? He should be. He should be. He's not, though. But I don't know. He's talking about he want to play with his son, so he might be tanking for two years. I don't know. I, th- I think he kind of sees the running on the wall with that team. That, that team at full strength has not been – Hasn't been in full strength. <laughs> well, that's fair, but I mean, yeah, they haven't. They, they, they just haven't. There's glimpses of okay, maybe they're getting it together, and then boom, let's lose five in a row because that's what they're doing. And honestly, I mean, it feels like the West is just a Phoenix, Golden State kind of collision course. Maybe Memphis can pull a surprise. Mm-hmm. I don't think so, but I think I think Golden State is it's Golden State's to win it in the in the in the West. You know what's crazy? I actually think that it's going to be, you know, and this is considering Chris Paul can get back healthy. <laughs> How did I know? But but no. How did I know? But listen, Again, listen. favorites. But what did I what did I tell what did I tell you last year, right? What did I say on the on it cuz you were on the I was, podcast. I was there. I was there. He was on the podcast that we talked about it. I said whoever wins the Lakers Suns matchup is going to the finals. And what happened? We both said that. But to be fair, we, you and I both said that it, Lakers, yeah. it's until somebody beats LeBron, then LeBron ain't losing. And then, yep. I mean, Phoenix disposed of them pretty easily. But I'm telling you, this is going to be the coming out playoff year for Devin Booker. Like, I think last year it was like, okay, he had a few good games. But this year I think is like, like he's coming out this year. And people are going to be like, yo, Devin Booker might be a top five player. Like, I mean, right now I think people consider him like top 15. I think but, I think you have a hungry Golden State Warriors team who's eager to get back and show teams that they are one of the best teams in the in the Western Conference. Yeah, but I think their biggest downfall is the interior. You know what I mean? Like they who do they have to match up against DeAndre Ayton? Not a lot of guys. Then they can put in JaVel McGee to get them rebounds. Like yeah, they, I mean they can they can compete on the perimeter. They can put up points. Don't count them out. We just came off an All Star break, right? Yeah, I'm, and I'm. Trade, hold on, trade deadline just finished. All Star break happens. Guess what? What's next? Buyouts. Don't and, be surprised. And I'm and I'm not counting them out, but it's from a realistic standpoint, based off based off what I know now. Like in the the one thing, the upside to them, they actually are a very good defensive team, and they have guys who can guard on the perimeter, like Mikael Bridges and Jay Crowder. Like those are like you have to be realistic, and I don't know if. I mean, they have Andrew Wiggins who can, and Clay Thompson is back, which is big for him defensively. But you know, Draymond's going to probably try to guard. He's going to have to guard somebody on the interior, and that's leaving who Clay on the outside. Steph is a liability defensively. So, and shit, Jordan Poole is is nice, but I don't know if he makes up enough defensively for him. And I just I think that the Suns like coming off of that loss in the finals after being up what two two to nothing, I yep. think that they're hungry to get back because they know that hey, what well, what do we talk about windows right? It's, it's you only have certain windows, yeah. And they know that hey, 
this is our window. And Chris Paul, well, damn, Chris Paul, this probably, is his window. His window. If if he can't make it back this year, he just gonna end the, the, his career without a ring. This is his that, last best chance, probably. Yeah, that window was. Yeah, the window shut after this. Shut. It might be shut now. I don't think so. And it's it's not about because I'm I'm a Sacramento fan. No, but you are a Chris Paul fan. I'm a fan of Chris Paul. Yes, because he's I think he's a great player. Let's go back. Let me. Let's, he's not even my sit, my be, my favorite player in the league. What did you say when you met Chris Paul? I, first of all, I, I didn't just meet Chris. I met Chris Paul like three years ago or two okay. years ago. What did you say to him when you saw him? Uh, I asked him about uh, Jamal Crawford. Yeah, that was it. That's me. I, you know, I said what's up. We were talking, but we, I literally, I just asked him about Jamal Crawford. Why did you ask him about Jamal Crawford? I asked him about Jamal Crawford because I love basketball, and I just, I know that Jamal Crawford and him have a very good relationship. And I just asked him, you know, how did he like playing with? Because Jamal Crawford was a baller. So I just asked him, like, you know what I mean, like. I could have asked him a, a plethora of questions or said a, 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 an abundance of things to him. He saved three organizations in his career. Don't look at me like don't don't look like that. He did. We and we can go back and they got tape. <laughs> I got what people say now. I got receipts. Like nah, I do. I got. I got, you can fact check it. He saved the New Orleans Hornets. Yes or no? Yes or no? At the. I, if you want to count the time, what is saving? Did, did he save New Orleans? They were coming off of remember they Baron Davis knees were out and Baron Davis was gone. They didn't have anything. Yeah, that's why they were drafted in the lottery. Right. So yeah, did he save them? Yes. And they went to the playoffs. They, what they, they every went to the playoffs. every year since that he was there. Yes. Then he went to where didn't the Clippers. In the playoffs though, did they really? Yeah, they did. Remember they went to the Western Conference Finals. Him, David West, Pedro Stoyakovich. Yeah, don't forget. And Tyson Chandler. Who don't they, f- lose to? they lost to the Lakers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but don't forget. They f- got smoked, right? Yeah, but 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 <laughs> but we can't but we can't forget about him taking them there, right? Yeah. And then he went to the Clippers. And what he didn't have a lot of we won't say he had a lot of playoff success because he didn't make it to the finals. But we can say that he saved three organizations because he all, everybody said he was done after Houston, right? He went to OKC and did what? Got him into the playoffs with a five seed. It's fair to say that he took bad organizations and brought them up to a level of respectability. Yes. And the the organizations he saved were were not going to be good enough to go all the way. And I think that's the one thing that is kind of plaguing Chris Paul's legacy is that he's seen as maybe not winning the big one, but – he really hasn't had a chance, a legitimate chance. Last year with Phoenix, obviously, and I think this year's a good chance. Uh, so I'll defend Mario a little bit. You know, he 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 lifted yeah. three I, I'm, I'm with that bad too. organizations. I'm, 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 I'm with know. that. Yeah, he lifted. Like, save, like, save is like. LeBron James saved. He made he made otherwise completely uninteresting organizations and teams at least watchable and interesting. Right. No, he did say I, I would say save to OKC because Cur- Curry mm. is Curry is saving an organization. Steph Curry saving an organization. 
Michael Jordan saving the organization. Well, well how, how is Chris Paul like, not saving the well, organization? How did he not save Oklahoma City? Because when they when they traded, because remember they were they were a perennial contender when they had Kevin Durant, they had Russell Westbrook. Then they end up trading. Obviously, uh, Durant left. They end up getting squeaking, Paul George. Squeaking into the playoffs is like not saving, in my opinion. They didn't. They they were in with a five seed. That's not that's squeaking in. Well, what team is in the history of the league has ever won a title? With just the one guy. I mean, yeah. trust me, no, yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm, the, sure. I'm the biggest Michael fan you'll ever come across. Michael didn't win anything until Scotty showed up. No, and I agree. Well, and, great. You know. In the NBA, that sport is great. Great players. That 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 is a player driven league, right? Talent driven. Sure. Like Great teams win championships. The only team that probably was put together that wasn't a great team. All, especially dominant offensively was like the the Pistons. Outside of them, there wasn't a team that was like. Dom- I mean, maybe the Milwaukee Bucks last year, but that was it. Like the Lakers teams, the Boston teams, the Bulls teams, the the Miami Heat teams, they were loaded. Yeah, no, and, the, and that's the Spurs teams, top to bottom, they, they were loaded. And that's why people consider those teams as oh, no. dynasty teams. What about uh, the Mavericks team? The Mavericks team, yep, I was about to say. Well, they, they ran into a – never mind, I ain't going to go there. But those teams are like the one-off teams that win one championship, and you're not yeah. talking about the dynasties that win three, four. Yeah. Exactly, yeah, right. and that's why I say it. That's why you consider those dominant teams. Like those. That's why, they're, that's why they have dynasties, because they're dominant. You know what I mean? I am under the belief – but how did we start talking? Why did we drift off into this Chris Paul conversation? Because I wanted to ask a serious question. Because you were you were all on Phoenix. Well, yeah, and Eric was Eric was quick to call out. You are running with the favorite this time around. Which I'm which I'm not. I'm running with the team. I feel like yo, they all had the best opportunity. But I'm a little bitter though, maybe. But I, I was going to ask a serious question because I think I'm, I'm in the belief of the minority on this. Do you think that the Lakers will make it into the playoffs? Are we defining the playoffs as the little play-in tournament? Yeah, the play-in tournament also. Yeah, because I mean, they're they're in who they're with. They're with the Clippers. They're with New Orleans. They're with Sacramento. They'll yeah. I mean, if only because those other teams aren't <laughs> aren't as good, they'll they'll get in there. So I had a conversation with my boy Walt. You know, I talked to him a lot, and um, just yesterday we was talking about this, and it was like, you you you. If they make it into the they play the, in a playing game, they're gonna probably lose, right? They're gonna probably lose. They're they're not really like look what they're doing. Don't get me wrong, the roster they haven't been playing consistently together, but they're not built to to sustain a young team, and that's been their problem. They can't keep up with a young team. Now, could they play in a series with a team? That's a whole nother story, right? They can play in a series and kind of slow the game down. But they run into some of these young teams, man, in a play-in, and they might lose. I'm a firm believer that the Lakers make it into the playoffs. I'm not. And if they make it into the play-in game, they will win that game. I'm not. And, I, look, people can say what they want. You can coast all you want through the regular season, but I guarantee and, and I you. Think, so they're four and a half up on – the 10, which would get them into the play-in with, what, they got about 22 games to go. Mm-hmm. That's going to be kind of hard to lose that, given the teams that are trying to catch them. Yeah, no, but they – no, because they have one of the toughest schedules in the NBA okay. in the back after the All-Star break. 
Um, and part of the reason is because they'll be on TV a lot. Um, I, I, since football's over, so they, it, it's it's tough, man. Yeah, no, it'll be tough, but I think they can do it. Like, look, if it's one thing I believe in, it's that LeBron James is going to get into the playoffs. If he's healthy, he's getting into the playoffs. He I, hasn't I, he I, hasn't given me any reason in his career to doubt that, and I'm not changing my I'm not changing my beliefs this year. And I think if he gets into the playoffs, there's always opportunity for him to advance. And if Anthony Davis is healthy. Yeah, and I think that'll be a big part of it. But after the way that that ankle looked, I don't know. It was a very bad, very, very bad. You caught me at a bitter time, right? And I'll be honest. Because I'm almost like, and I may have mentioned it the last podcast, but I'm at the point where I'm thinking post-LeBron James. I mean, I'm at that point. As you should. I mean, I think all Lakers fans should, but I think – the way that the Lakers are built right now, because you have to think, what are, what are you going to have after LeBron is gone? At at this point, I really don't even care. I am looking to that point of post-LeBron James. Based on some of the things you said, it sounds like LeBron James is looking to post-Laker LeBron James. 100%. And that's kind of some of my thought is LeBron's looking at it post-game. He's looking at it post the Lakers. And... Because I think LeBron has accomplished almost everything that he wanted so oh, far in his career. Sure, and he has every right to to, to all kind time of, leading league score. Yeah. He's got MVPs. He's got Finals, Finals MVPs. He's won a ring everywhere he's been. Do you consider the bubble title a legitimate title? Is that part of that, or you know, it's not the it's not that it, it's I it's consider not, it. I consider legit. I mean, the title's a title, right? Yeah, I, I, I agree. Um. My thing is this. There is, there comes, there, we're playing with the Lakers and and it comes with a certain pride and a certain respect and a certain aura of being one of the best players in the league, but also making sure that you're, comp- you're contending for championships multiple years, right? Like, <clears throat> That's what that's why the Lakers swing for the the big fish, if you will. You know what I mean? Like <clears throat> they don't do that to miss the playoffs or to be in a playing game. That that's not okay. And this year they took that swing, in my opinion, but a couple of big swings and misses. Right. Uh, and they, I mean that that's but, an old roster. But this is what LeBron James has been wanting. And this is my this is why I'm ready for post LeBron James. Yeah. If you look at all his rosters, they're 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 structured similar to this, so that it creates this narrative that LeBron James is leaving. Oh, the team looks like shit now mm-hmm. because LeBron James is gone. Like there's no youth. There's they they went and got a Russell Westbrook that they don't want him playing playing as the point guard. And he's playing off, he's playing off the ball. He's not an off the ball player. He's a ball dominant player. He's a ball dominant player. He wanted to go get John Wall just because that was a clutch. Re- they clutch represented him. That was it. I agree. They played KCP all that money. They could have still had a guy in KCP, but they paid overpaid him because he was a LeBron James clutch sports guy. I am sick of all the antics, and I'm ready for him to go. I'm done. 
And Rob Palenka is dumb for giving him as much power as giving him. Will you come on this podcast if the Lakers go into the playoffs and they win a series? And will you apologize for the LeBron slander? No. You won't have to worry about it. Because even if the Lakers make the playoffs and get in those playing games, they're going right into Phoenix and Golden State. That's not going to go well. As as they are presently constructed, in my opinion. I am so ready for, like... I'm a firm believer that if they get into the playoffs, they can they can make an impact. And it's the LeBron, it's the LeBron James effect. I I was with, and I I about said the same thing when I was with you guys before because we we were the day that I was with you, we were watching Game One of Lakers Suns, and I I basically said the same thing. But the way Phoenix handled them, that was pretty. I I was surprised by that. Look, like Chris Paul goes down and gets hurt. They they don't they don't beat that Phoenix team. They don't. No, no. Hey, it's time for the Lakers to find another star out there, and and that guy is not LeBron James, in my opinion. Oh, well, take it or leave it. So I mean, so out out of the West, you like Golden State, and Golden State. Who do you like out of the West? No, I mean obviously the Suns, obviously right. So Golden State and the Suns and East, I'll say Nets and Bucks. I'll say Phoenix and Golden State out west. I think the East is going to be fun, um, even if it's just a bunch of mediocre teams that are. How many years have we been able to say that the East is actually going to be better than the West? I don't know if it's going to be better. It, 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 it'll, it'll be, be more it'll exciting. Be more ex- yes, it'll be more exciting. In the playoffs. I, I, think you're, I think the East is playing for second place, ultimately, uh, once they get to the finals. But East, I'll go. Uh, oh, so you think the Western Conference team is going to win? I think so, yes. But I'll go in the East. I'm going to go Philly and Milwaukee. Oof. I am not a Philly. I'm not. I'm I'm not a believer. Not and a believer I love Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid is probably. He's a, he, there, here's the, the one thing I'll say about Philadelphia. It was I was surprised by the trade because it, playing with James Harden, I think completely changes how they have to play. Exactly. But I think that their talent level will be able to rise above the other teams in the East. I'm, I'm basically giving it to Philly because I think the combination of Embiid, Harden, can just basically out-talent some of the other Eastern it, teams. But it works. It works. You can now play pick and roll. Embiid needed a guy, a ball-dominant guy, and now Harden is that ball-dominant guy. But you, you have to start to pay attention to him because he starts to the, – he gets in his favorites and the – He's not a Doc Rivers fan. I'm not a Doc Rivers. Oh, I know. So that's why I said it. I remember the last time we even talked about Doc, and and because uh, I think that's when they had lost a game seven, and we were talking about Doc and should he should he be around still? No, but that's <laughs> See? that's a different story for a different day. Because I'm 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 just not a I'm not a fan of Doc. I think he's a good coach. I don't think he's a great coach. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm, and I think it's a difference. I'm glad Scott's here so he can see me point out your antics. No, it's just let's be real. If Kevin Garnett's not on that Boston team, they still have Ray Allen and Paul Pierce. Will they go to the finals? Will they win the finals? Oh. No, because Kevin Garnett was good enough, and because he he essentially was helping coach the team. And that's why they end up winning. That's why they became the team that they were. It wasn't because Doc Rivers just made some amazing changes in the lineup or he came up, drew up some crazy plays. Like, no, the Kevin Garnett knew what to do and told the rest of the team what to do. And that's how they got there. It's not because Doc Rivers. 
Doc Rivers is good at managing talent, but he can't he can't get he can only lead you to the water. He can't he can't do anything else. Hell, I don't even know if he can get you to the pond. He can get you to the gate that's next to the pond, but he can't open the door. If if that makes sense. And he needed Kevin Garnett to open that door. But I don't know if James Harden can it, Kevin Kevin Garnett brought a sense of leadership. I don't know if James Harden has. So who's leading? I mean, Joel Embiid, I think, is – I don't even know if he – I think he's a great player, but exceptional leader. I don't – because he cares too much just about himself. Yeah. Great leaders usually help other players rise above. NBA, I'm just a big believer in talent. And I just – I like I like the talent more uh, than I do – with the again, I'm just I mean I'm I'm trying just to compare it to everybody else in the East, uh, so that's where I, that's where I'm going with Philly and in the Bucks. Who you got? In the East, I like Brooklyn, and I also like. It's hard for me not to pick Milwaukee, just because Giannis is such a I mean a great talent. You know what I mean? And then when I think of leaders, I think Giannis is a great leader. But if I were going to pick another team outside of there, I'll probably stay Miami, and that's it. Considering they're healthy, because remember, everybody thought it was a fluke the year that they went to the uh, finals in the bubble and played the Lakers. I think now we're starting to see that same team kind of emerge back, similar to the 49ers, right? Remember, they kind of fell off for a year, and then they this year back to the NFC Championship game. And I think we're kind of seeing that same a, a similar thing happen in the NBA with the Miami Heat. No love for uh, Chicago or Cleveland in the room. It, it's, it's hard for me to uh, look. Cleveland, though, um, Cleveland's I, overachieving. Um, but I, I do Chicago, like Darius Garland. Though. I like I like Chicago. I think Chicago is one of those teams where they're they're winning because they're playing great defense. Um, just I'm a Bucks. I, I got to tip my hat off to a Bucks. They they won. I'm, I'm not going to count them out. And they gotten better. And then I think with what the Brooklyn is like, it's my. I think he alluded to it is the Kevin Durant effect. Like Kevin Durant <clears throat> at that stage is going to show you that he's the one of the best players in the league. And let's be real, like Brooklyn last year with just Kevin Durant, right? They almost beat the Bucks with just Kevin Durant. If his foot's not on that line, we could be having a whole different conversation of. of about basketball right or now. Or if James Harden hamstring wasn't as bad to where he could actually make a couple shots. Yeah. Like, it's just, it's, and, and when I look at the Chicago Bulls, like, I really love the story. I love what DeMar DeRozan is doing because I think he's been an underappreciated player in the league for almost five to seven years now. And I, I love the fact that people are really starting to give him his appreciation. And, and my boy Taryn is a, is a huge DeMar DeRozan fan. And I will say that I like him, but based off of matchups, like NBA, to me, I mean, football is about matchups, but I think the matchups, they count more in basketball because there's less people on the floor. Yeah, of course. So when I look at them, like, do you think seven games they would beat the Milwaukee Bucks? Who's stopping Giannis? Like, I, I don't care how good the, the defense is. How are you going to stop Giannis? Because you don't have anybody that can guard him on the perimeter because he can shoot now. He go into the inside, who's going to stop him? Vujicic is not. He's going to foul out. And then, and then who you got to stop him? Like, And I think that's going to be the biggest downfall for them when they get to those playoffs and they have those tough matchups. Like, 
Who's going to guard Joel Embiid on the Bulls? Nobody. It's just, and that's that's where they'll fall short. But I do like them, though. Like, they could be a team that could win the first-round series in the playoffs. Hell, depending upon how things fall, they could get to the Eastern Conference I think, Finals. I think I saw uh, top eight top eight teams in the East are all separated by five games or less. Wow. So we don't even know what the ma- – I mean, the matchups could be anything right now. Yeah. So, I mean, but I, I think their success is going to be predicated off of where they fall at in the Eastern Conference. Right. Like, obviously, if they get one of those top two seeds, like, yeah, they'll get a first-round win. But then it's that second round that I'm worried about. So I, I definitely think playoff – like, they can win a playoff series, but making it to the finals, nah, I don't I don't think that's happening. But that, yeah, that's just my belief. But um, I will say this, though. I think you have to look out for a team like Boston, though. Because J- Jason Tatum is, a, like, is a stud. I know that. He's a Jason Tatum guy. He's a he went to Duke, I know, but he's a, he's the Jason Tatum guy. I'm I'm still a big Jalen Brown guy, but I can't deny what he's been doing this year. I think he had like two fifty balls this year already. Like it's right. it's impressive, man, and he's a, a great rebounder. Still, I mean, the biggest knock on Jason Tatum though, it'll be like a week and he'll go flat, but then he'll just come out and have like four straight thirty point games. Mm-hmm. But I don't know, man. I'm I'm, I'm excited about the rest of the NBA season. Uh, kind of see what happens. Um, obviously, the next two weeks will be tough. So, um, you guys got anything you want to say about the NBA or anything you want to hit on? I'm good, man. I yeah. think that was good. College yeah. basketball March Madness coming around the corner. Yeah. Oh, but hey, before we get out of here, speaking of college basketball, Jawan Howard. Oh, Jesus. Yep. Was he was he right or was he wrong? And w- w- did the did the punishment? Fit the crime. It, he was wrong. I, I would have suspended him for the rest of the entire season, not just the last. I think we get the five uh, regular five games. season games, and, yeah. but he's going to be able to coach in the Big Ten tournament, the NCAA tournament. I, I, I thought because this is technically his second offense. If you recall, I think it was the Big Ten tournament last year. He went after Mark Turgeon at Maryland, uh, just off some silly kind of talking back and forth so he's a great coach he's doing a great job at Michigan I understand why they didn't fire him but I thought that he kind of got off a little light to be honest with you I would have I would have suspended him for the rest of of the entire season this year and then let him come back let him come back next year Eric thoughts I don't know man it like it it is it was it shouldn't have happened. I get that. Um, but I don't think the coach should have did what he did either. So I, either way, it's Michigan. So I kind of don't care. The only thing is like it's it's the the both things that kind of set him off were kind of just kind of silly in game things that like, come on be be the adult in the room you, you know. He got he got pissed. I think he's got pissed off because he, the the guard called a timeout or something, and the game was already in hand. But he he called a timeout to let his his subs kind of reset and try to get the ball. And I, that's I mean, that's kind of a stupid thing to get that pissed off about where you're kind of going after a guy. I mean, you know, 
Yeah, but I, I think that we also have to – I mean, I think that's only half the story, right? Like, you have to look at the way that the Michigan season has been going, right? Oh, they've, they've been a disappointment. Exactly. They were right. a top-five preseason team, and now they're barely a bubble team. So you're right there. Exactly. So, like, so I'm sure emotions are already high. You know what I mean? And, and as far as him being the coach, like, when he, – and he's a former player, too. So, you know what I mean? Like, I think that he kind of feels it – twice as much as a, maybe a guy who didn't play, you know what I mean? Or a guy, like, he I don't think he just thinks of it from, like, a coaching standpoint, but he thinks of it from a player standpoint, too. And I know he knows a lot of the guys are disappointed and the season's not going the way that they planned for it to. So it's already a lot of emotion running high, but then, like, the coach stops him, like, he grabs him, you know what I mean? Like, and I think that's the one thing we we can't overlook. Like you, you kind of got to read the room. You know what I mean? Like you got to know who you can and cannot put your hands on. At, at what point you can put your hands on them? No, I mean, and, and I think it was. I think if you if you go back and you look at it, it was it was a forceful grab. You know what I mean? Like the guys were all going through the through the hands. You don't have line. to read the room. You don't put your hand on a grown man like that. I agree. Or anybody for that matter. Yeah, I mean, because it was like I said, it was a forceful grab. You know what I mean? Like, and I think that the timing was just really bad. Like, so, like, Jawan Howard blew up. You know what I mean? And then you start going back and forth. Then, like, you know it's only going to escalate Well, the, the emotion is going to take over. There's no question mm -hmm. about that. But, yeah. you, you know, at some point, and, you know, guard is, is culpable here as well. You know, he should have done what he did. But you are there's an expectation when you're the head coach that you're the adult in the room. And it, you you got to act like it. As much as it sucks sometimes, you got to kind of check yourself. I think it mattered more because he's the head coach of a college football or a college basketball team. If it were if it were the NBA or NFL, I think we would have a, a different you know what I mean interpretation or a different feeling of of what went down. Sure. Like it, it reminded me a lot of the Jim Schwartz and John Har or Jim Harbaugh uh, confrontation that happened back when uh, Schwartz was in Detroit. Mm -hmm. And you remember Harbaugh hit him on, like, slapped him on his back. And he guys like, what? Yeah. Yeah, and then yeah. Schwartz, like, got upset. Like, yep. but they just got blown out. You know what I mean? Had he done that, just like, you know, if if it if it weren't such an, a, a bad game for them or they didn't lose and he just slaps him on his back, is he still angry? Probably not. He might be a little upset, but he's not going to be that angry right. and blow well, up. Well, when your emotions are running high, everything becomes that that much more of a slight that much you, you take you yeah. know i get that yeah the, the emotions are going to intensify your feelings times a thousand and i just think that was the issue i, I do i say this i think he should have been suspended for the remainder of the year the five games he got but i would have understood suspending him for the big 10 tournament now if they make the ncaa tournament you know, by the grace of God, I think you should allow him to come back and let him coach because it wasn't all on him. And I, I, I and that's, I mean, that's the only thing I really had to say about it. Yeah. I, I don't think it was a hundred percent his fault. No, but it's you know, like I said, you know, you, you take the Maryland situation, you take the Wisconsin situation. It's it's like at some point, and and you know how these colleges work, man. They 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 will sometimes do things more for the aesthetic of it than is it the really the right thing to do. So if he kind of keeps this up. He's not going to last very long just because Michigan as a university is going to say, well, look, we're going to act on this even if it's not the right thing to do. So he's got to do a better job of kind of keeping that in check for, him, for his own self, let alone the, the players.
Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. And I, and I think that, you know, as a head coach, you set the standard, especially when you're coaching in at a college level, because if you see what happened after he threw that uh after he threw that punch, the players started to fight. Right. You know what I mean? Because he set the tone and he's the he's the head coach. You know what I mean? So if they see him do it, if they then, see the coach taking a taking a swing, then well, they think I'm that gonna it's take okay. one too. Exactly. Right. You know what I mean? Like so I think from that standpoint, like he definitely has to do better, like and he came out with a statement and an apology, like, but at the end of the day, like, his his actions do have to start showing that he's, you know what I mean, because he has to get out of that player mentality. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I think a lot of him is still there because, you know, players, you know, they can they can afford to get away with some stuff like that every once in a while. But as a head coach, like, do it. yeah. So, but I uh, want to thank everybody for listening to Tunnel Vision Podcast. Uh, I'm Mario Doremus. I'm Eric Walker. Scott Jones. Scott Jones, appreciate you coming on, man. Thanks again, boys. I'll do it anytime. I thought we would have got him to cry on air. No, I, I, I've actually posted. I'm, I've gone from sad to mad about it. About because, about the Super Bowl loss. Yeah. But why are you sad about the Super Bowl loss? Just because it's you know I'm not. He he knows you know, deep down inside that this that was probably going to be the last. That time. was the chance. That was the chance. I just know it's not guaranteed. No, no, no. no, no yeah, Life sure. has taught me that it's not guaranteed. And yeah. It, you know, and you know. Anyway. Well, we at least at least you can say this. It more than likely won't be another thirty-one years until the Bengals get a playoff win. I hope to not be in my mid-seventies the next time this happens. Like, yes, <laughs> let's, let's, let's let's go with that. I want to thank everybody again for listening to Tunnel Vision Podcast. You can go find us on Twitter, on Instagram, Tunnel underscore Viz underscore Pod. Again, I'm Mario Deramus. I'm Eric Walker. I'm Scott Jones. And we out. Peace.